What's up, guys? It's Adam at Wayfinder. Hope everybody's doing well out here. It's a beautiful June day in Dallas, Texas, and we've got an awesome episode for you. Um, today, we've got Drew McManus from Satsang, one of our favorite conscious uh, sort of folk roots, reggae, funk, punk, whatever bands. They're kind of all over the musical spectrum, but they're amazing. Their message is great. And uh, you guys know that we love our musicians and our artists here at Wayfinder. And um, Drew is one of our favorite people. Satsang is one of our favorite bands. And uh, we're super stoked. It was kind of a dream come true to finally get Drew on the show. We've been working on it for a long time. So this is really a great visit. Um, got a lot in common. And um, just really cool to share space with somebody like Drew with a great story and uh, just a great guy. So we talk about music, of course. We talk about plant medicine. We talk about mindfulness we talk about some current event stuff and uh, get drew's take on uh, some of the things that are going on in the world as of june 2020 but it's a great conversation and drew is an awesome guy we talk about jujitsu and parenting and all kinds of stuff so you guys are really going to enjoy it uh one of my favorite people one of my favorite musicians and i can't wait to share this with you guys so without further ado here we go drew mcmanus from satsang on wayfinder You're like us. You've got like this crazy eclectic sort of, uh, you know, stuff that you're into. Your interest spans the whole, the whole gamut. So, like, what are you digging on right now? What's your thing? Um, I've been listening to uh, the first Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers record, "Damn the Torpedoes." Excellent. I've been listening to that a lot. That's a good one. Um, Jackson Brown. What was on that record? Oh, Mary Jane. My on that? favorite. No. Um, here comes my girl. Refugees. Um, American Century Girl, City, Don't Do Me Like That. Um, and, you know, oh, my man. favorite Old favorite Tom Petty. Petty song is is Even the Losers. I don't know why. There's just something about that song that's so sick to me. Um, yeah. And then I've been I've been listening to you guys know who Chris Stapleton is. Oh, of course. Jesus, yeah. Okay. So he had We're from a, Texas, brother. We have statues yeah, right. of him all over town, like Jesus. Good. Hell yeah. But you know, so you know the band, the Steel Drivers. Then. Yep. Mm hmm. Yeah, I've been listening to them a, a whole hell of a lot. I just, uh, yeah, I can't get enough of the Steel Drivers. And then one more for good measure. Let's see what's on my list on my phone here. Oh, yeah, the Slackers. Um, just old school kind is. of punk ska, but not like punk ska. Is that just one kind of the... that scene. Okay. I think you told me to look them up, and I didn't look them up. That um, And then the Bouncing era. Souls. Yeah. Bouncing Souls, I've been listening to. Oh my, yeah, God, yeah, the you guys, souls. Bouncing Souls fans, bro, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's that's that fucking BMX music right there. I've seen the Bouncing Souls on Van's Warp Tour in like 2006 or something. Yeah, dude. yeah, yeah, that's the yeah, old dude. stuff. Yeah, Drew hit yeah, me with exactly. a curveball the other day. He was, he turns out Drew Drew quoted an Operation Ivy song at me, and I was like, what? Oh no way! Yeah, yeah, I love <laughs> punk rock, man. It's uh, it's 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 interesting, man. It's really. I go through phases with a lot of music, uh, but I would say in the past four or five years, I've, I haven't, and you know, I was into punk rock when I was a teenager, a bunch, but yeah, in the last probably four or five years, it's just kind of a mainstay. It doesn't really leave my rotation. There's always one or two 
punk bands that I'm really digging through their discography. And the, the I feel like the Bouncing Souls were always kind of on the periphery to me because I was really into, uh, you know, bad religion and anti-flag and propaganda and just the punk bands that kind of had like activism to them, you know? Um, and now yeah. just <laughs> being, being a songwriter that loves writing songs, uh, the Bouncing Souls, I think have written some of the coolest tunes um, ever. Yeah, no, they're they're badass for sure. I uh, I was a big fan of the Dropkick Murphys. Same, yeah, I'm Irish, uh, and you know, uh, when I was a when I was a boy, uh, me and my brother were both fond of uh, of physical altercations. Yeah, I was gonna um, so say yeah, was, uh, getting getting in fights with people drunk at Irish pubs. I mean, there's no yeah. better soundtrack for that shit. You know, we used to have this. <laughs> We have uh, they have a song uh, called "The Boys Are Back," and uh, it's a real just everybody chanting "The Boys Are Back" and they're looking for trouble. And I remember uh, my big brother uh, when he got back from Iraq. I remember going going out to a party together, all of us, for the first time in a few years. And I remember listening to that and just like totally being like, "Man, tonight's gonna get real fucked real fast." <laughs> <laughs> It's funny how we uh, we can assign a um, a memory to a song or yeah. a song oh. to it an experience. You know, you can you can start your night with a song and it's your theme song. It's kind of your yep. subconscious mantra, if you will. And then that song, you hear it and you you can boom instantly yep. back to you can smell, you can see, you can experience, you can feel the emotion you were feeling. It's uh, crazy. That connection is is pretty incredible. And that stuff sticks with you and shapes the way that you you know, that you engage music going forward. Like, Drew, what was some of the, like, you know, you got some of the punk rock stuff you talked about. Like, but one of the things that uh, influenced you a lot was reggae. And I told you, like, that's something I didn't dig into enough. And so now I'm starting to do it more because, like, all my friends around me, you know, you and other people are all into reggae. And um, what was your experience yeah. with reggae? And what were some other music styles that, like, drove you into uh, the kind of direction you went? I'm so fucking glad you asked me that, man. Um, I came up with know, that myself. Yeah, so reggae is a real special uh, genre to me, uh, just because of the people that it's really brought in my life. Um, but, you know, how I got started on it, I mean, I listened to Bob Marley in high school and, you know, and obviously really, really loved it, um, especially just being a fan of, like I said, like political music, you know, Bob. It, 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 once I heard Bob, it became obvious to me where it came from, you know, of just like, oh, okay, he was the first, the rebel rocker, I got it. Um, but really, the reggae that I first fell in love with was the Slackers and the Agrilites, um, which led me to all the really old Rocksteady stuff. So like Desmond Decker, um, uh, the Gladiators, uh, Prince Buster, uh, just all that that old school ska shit, you know, the rude boy stuff, not the hippie stuff. Um, yeah. So so that was kind of my introduction to reggae. But as I got deeper, you know, um, and became less angry um, and, and not that that music was angry, but it was just a time in my life where, you know, I was drinking and, and a, just a bit of a hooligan tool. Um, but. You know, as I got into like Steel Pulse and Burning Spear and and kind of more into the uh, the Rasta side of stuff, you know, I there's not a, a subgenre of reggae that I don't absolutely love, really. What what was sorry you, what the lost connection there? What was something that you weren't into? 
uh, I wasn't really into the, um, yeah, I guess would you say like hippie reggae? Like I never really got into any of the Cali scene, um, you know, until much, much later. Reggae for the the sake of sound versus um, the intention of it that came with its predecessors. I mean, there was intention behind Bob Marley's music. Is that what you mean? Yes, yes, that and um, and just you know, the Cali reggae scene is is a lot different because um, you know it's it's a lot of you know like uh, what's the band? Oh man, I, slightly stupid, right? They're talking about like the Cali party yep. scene, mm-hmm. Sublime. You know, that was a kind of an interesting take on reggae. I always fuck with Sublime because they were like, you know, had the punk punk vibe in there too. But um, that Cali reggae scene was a lot more about, you know, parties and girls and stuff like that. And, and the reggae that I was into just wasn't wasn't that vibe. It wasn't, well, it wasn't until later that I started digging into all that Cali stuff. I never really thought about it, but you're right. There are two pockets you can put, you can kind of categorize. And there was like the lifestyle Yep. which would be the sublime and the Cali reggae, you know, the day yep. in the life. Mm-hmm. And then yep. there were the, the big picture guys. Yeah. You yeah. Know, there was more of a message gritty activism on, on, on a, on a larger scale. So yeah. Damn. Yeah. I never thought about yeah, it. And, like that. And it does Cali, make a lot of sense. The the thing that's really cool about that Cali reggae scene is, you know, we work with, uh, with inevitable, um, who is like the Kings of the Cali reggae scene. You know, they put on California roots and, um, is that there isn't a lot of, if you look at like the last 30 years of music, there hasn't really been a genre creation except that. Like I can't think of like a new kind of music that's come out since I was a kid. And when you Emo. look at Tribal Seeds, Ayaterra, um, you know, Revolution, Slightly Stupid, everyone in that kind of scene, like that's a fucking, it's its own genre, man. And it really just has been created right before our eyes, which is what, to me, what makes makes it so special. Well, it's funny to hear you say that because I feel like we are trying to categorize the genre of artists that are in this pocket that you're operating in. Um, yeah, we're always talking about how like there's how like, <laughs> yeah, so it's not just us. Yeah, people like, you know, we, we you guys know we blast your music all over the podcast and we always tell people to go check your shit out. And people are always asking us, like, what kind of music are they and it's the hardest question what to the answer. What the fuck am I supposed to say? What, yeah. So how do I answer that when someone asks me that? Because I'm always trying to explain to them. And then I'm I'm telling them about you and Paul Isaac and, and Trevor Hall and Nako. And I'm like, so I know I just gave you guys like seven or eight, ten different names to follow. And you're expecting that they're all going to be a similar style of music. But they're all going to be completely not. fucking different. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, we we as buddies, um, you know, I, me, Trevor and Nako. Uh, we all talk about that. I was just talking with Knox about that just uh, the other day. Um, you know, just hearing his new record. Um, and, and I know the record that I'm working on and what that's going to sound like. And I know, I uh, kind of have an idea of what Trevor's new record's going to sound like just based on the producer. And it's like, that's what's so funny is that we're all kind of looped together in this crew and our music could not sound any more different, especially with the records... Right that we're all putting out now it's like dude i'm going full on you know like if the lumineers met Derek trucks and had tom petty's guitar collection you know but it's still me writing the songs i love that yeah yeah that's badass 
Yeah. So I yeah, dig it's, that it's a an lot. Interesting thing. I don't even know how you describe it. Yeah, because it's like you know three com- musically three completely different sounds. But I think what you're speaking to is that it's this like you know do you want music that's about something you know that's that's about beyond the surface level human experience you know because i think that's the thing that we're all trying to tap to is the like the underbelly of the human experience yeah that's it it's um you know musical style speaks to people it connects with people and all that but like what you guys and this is you know inevitably the only thing i have left to tell people whenever they're asking me these questions about like what kind of music this is is like look it's not the style of music isn't really the thing that ties these people together, that there's something under the surface. There's this common thread of, like you said, sort of exploration into the human experience and this, this explanation through music and art, artistic expression of like, what does it mean to be human? What are the big mysteries of being human? What are the big challenges you know, that we face doing this? And then how do we find ways to give ourselves grace and love ourselves, but hold ourselves accountable. And then to take that sort of, to find balance and self-love and then to spread that around the world to, to, you know, to find a place of unity and, and harmony in the world, to, you know, to, to create that sense of unity for the world from the inside of yourself outward. And you guys all go about doing it in your own way through your own language, your own flavor of music and all that stuff. But it's just, dude, it, it's really fucking rad the way that you guys do that. I'm, and it's, it's cool to hear that you guys are kicking around the same, same question of like what what do we call well, this? the self-awareness <laughs> is nice to know that exists because we're having the same issue but you you as the creators if y'all are still kind of in that pocket then we're not too far off the yeah. finger's not too far off the pulse yeah i, I think guess, what's so. getting tricky with it is that there's a lot of artists that are trying to come up right now that are um you know i don't mean to write the songs that i do man i just am writing what's happening right. um you know, and same with Knox and Trev. Like that's you know that's why Trevor's music is so drenched in that Eastern thing because that's who he is. That's actually his every single day, all day, twenty four seven, three sixty five spiritual practice. Is you know he's so deep into Hindu mysticism that is him and his wife's thing. You know, um, so it's like what's interesting is some of the artists coming up are like, okay, cool. If I say medicine and healing and this, and they're like they're trying to be a part of this genre that it's like, it's not even a genre, dude. We're just, I, you know, people just happen to be like, well, I like this, this, and this, like, there's just an exponential amount of people that like all three of us, you know, we're not doing it. on We're not doing it on purpose. We're just writing these tunes and they, you know, and they happen to resonate. And then in real life, the three of us just happen to get along really well. You know? Well, it's cool because like, you know, there's the spirituality for like, at least from my perspective, you know, from the, the experience I have with, with your music and with Trevor and Nako and mm-hmm. Paul and all these different artists and stuff that operate there is like the spirituality for me is sort of the cornerstone of all of it. And it sure it's really, it's really dope because like JC and I were having this conversation earlier is that, you know, to me, like true spirituality is a cool thing. Like if you look at true spirituality is like a sense of, I want to go find other people with spiritual views and find ways to connect and find ways to build bridges and find ways yes. to understand and find ways to explore their worldview and find all the common threads there. Whereas, you know, true religions on one hand, on the other hand, you've got bullshit religion or true spirituality and bullshit sure. religion. And like the bullshit religion part is more like how many, how many barriers can I create between you and me? Mm-hmm. How many, let me yeah, just dude, dissect I've your always... beliefs to death. And just it's it's yeah, it's something it. that it's it's yeah, it's something that that always blew me away. You know, I remember a question that I always had 
as a kid, you know, I, I was raised by my mom and my stepdad. And, you know, we went to, to a Catholic church. And then my biological father, I would see him every other Christmas and then for one month in the summer. And he went to an evangelical church. You know, with like the the fucking Hollywood light show and soundboard and the whole like mega church production, you know. And one question I used to I always ask it. that could never get answered was like, why are there so many different versions of this thing? You know, there's Lutheran, Protestant, Catholic. There's twenty three hundred different denominations of Protestant Christianity. Really? Is that real? Is that a real number? Twenty three hundred. Twenty three hundred. It's real. Yeah. God damn. Quite literally. <laughs> and, <laughs> wow. It's, so, it's yeah, the I mean, Wild just, West. You know, yeah, so that's what's so funny, too. And you got each team being like, well, you know, if you don't do it this way, you ain't in the club. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, uh, as Uncle Joe says, everybody's invited, but not everybody's coming. I think that's kind of the approach that people like uh, the two of you and myself and all of my crew uh, take. I want everyone to come, you know. I'm going to invite everyone, but. They won't all come. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. I just think it's a cool thing to have what you guys have created is like this this sort of eclectic, like, compilation of different religious beliefs. Um, sure. Because really, and, I, and, and I'm just going to, you and I have never had this conversation, so I mean, I'm, I'm going to get real fucking presumptive here, but like, I think that you, me, JC, uh, probably Trevor, um, a lot of a lot of people sort of have this this view of uh, like when you get this really eclectic understanding of these different spiritual systems and stuff, especially like with Eastern philosophy and Eastern like the the mysticism and stuff like that and Hinduism. Um, but all this stuff, like it's all just a reflection of shit that lies within us. Right. Like mm-hmm. the universe is is fractal. Like humans come out of other humans like this is a fractal reality that we're in. And when you have all these gods and all these different belief systems, it's. It's all all just different kind of reflections of of things that you can do with your own thoughts and uh, moods and attitudes and, and ways to live your life and ways to parent your kids and it's it's uh, like Trevor says you know so many rivers but they all reach the sea you know like why would you fight about that instead of trying to build more bridges yeah and, I mean and for understand me, and grow and enrich your own belief systems with others yeah that question why would you fight about that is is just I just it, I can't fathom it I mean like. We're here for, if we're lucky, you know, 80, 90 years. And you're going to take some of that precious time and spend time trying to dictate how someone else should fucking pray or how they should connect to spirit. I just, you know, I think, you know, I think maybe that's the one downside of, of being indoctrinated in something that guarantees you an afterlife is it's like, well, this life doesn't matter. And it's like, yeah, it does, dude. Don't be a dick. You know, <laughs> it matters a bunch. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, dude, this is uh, it's it's like we're we're given this gift of being on Earth, and we've got like this badass sort of natural ecosystem. It's like we're in a great big fish tank that's been really well outfitted. We've got jungles and rainforests and rivers. Like you couldn't build a better garden for a, you know, for a species to thrive in. Yeah, and, hell of um, a playground. Hell of a playground, man. And and uh, so too, I think you know, like when I look around it. It's sort of like the materialism in the world. And, you know, I'm, I'm a business owner from a family of, of blue collar business owners. And, you know, I, I get it, you know, work, make money, take care of your family, all that stuff. But like, I, I feel like there's a way to take care of your family and your community without destroying the planet and without hating everybody else while you're doing it. You know? Yeah. 
yeah absolutely. i think that, like that's a cool thing about y'all's music is all you guys is, is also trying to draw awareness to that like it's look i can be i can be spiritual and i can still kind of fuck up and uh you know i can have things i need to face and still have work that i am doing and you know i can uh like particularly in your case you know you do jujitsu it's like you can be a lover and a fighter um you know and you can be uh you know be a person that owns businesses and, and and tries to take care of your family and take care of your neighborhood and all that too but at the same time you can take care of the earth you don't have to like be totally disconnected from nature to to also thrive and you know do yeah well man too. and that's i think that's the balance right that everyone's looking for is um you know and i think a lot of people are tricked into thinking that if you want to be successful you have to have less empathy um and i've just you know in my life i've seen that not to be the case and you know i gotta let it be known 100 percent, man i'm not the world's best dad i'm not um, a great partner always you know i'm a pretty intense individual so i i just i myself have so 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 much work to do um but i think um i think like you're saying the key is to acknowledge that you want that balance rather than saying no man i don't have a problem the world has a fucking problem i'm gonna do it my way it's like no man you have to be open for at least for me, man, the thing that has given me more growth and more fruit than anything in my life is being open to the fact that A, I could be completely wrong about anything that I was once certain of. Mm. Uh, and, and two, that I'm just not ever going to get to the end of anything. You know, it's not like I'm just going to arrive one day and be like, cool, I've done it. I'm the best person in the world. It's like, you know, it's the constant acknowledgement that I'm not and like <laughs> that that needs looked at. The and work is never done. The, Exactly. And that's the path, I think, for me is is the grind. What um, what is something new like in, 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 in those terms, like completely on this line of conversation? Like what is something new about yourself you learned recently? Something that you're or, or something that you're currently working on that, um, you know, is it, is it either a new thing or a current thing for you? You know, for me, just to give like an example is like recently in the last year i've learned i take myself too seriously and that comes from probably being a technology company ceo and like being young when i started the company i think because i've traced all this shit back right trying to figure yep. it out like why i'm why am i like this um and that'll bring us to our next you know part of the conversation around plant medicine because that's really where this came from to begin with um you know i was a total asshole father to my kids for the first 10 years of my oldest son's life and the first six years of my 10 year old's life um really wrapped up in my business really wrapped up in growing a company really wrapped up in making sure that um you know my partner had a nice car and that we had material things and that me as a 20 year old kid trying to run a technology company in corporate america or as a 25 year old or a 27 year old or a 29 year old whatever like I wanted people to take me seriously. And and so to do that, like I had to have, I had to walk a certain way, talk a certain way, dress a certain way, project myself in a room a certain way. And like, it's really kind of a messed up way to approach things. It's a really disingenuous way. And like the more disingenuous you are and the more inauthentic you are, like the, the more stress it, it imposes on you, right? And so yes. through all those years, I, I took myself so seriously. And so in the last year, the biggest thing, like the breakthrough in, in my life in the last year was the self-realization that I take myself too seriously and that by taking myself less seriously, I become less critical and judgmental of myself. And therefore, 
I project less criticism out to my to my kids, to my partner, to my my world and everything else. So like that's kind of my thing. Stop being stop taking yourself so seriously and start finding more humor in your fuck ups and in the little things that you mess up or whatever. And also giving thanks for the little things that you don't fuck up because we always beat ourselves up over little things we do. So like that's kind of that's been my big thing. So in those in those terms, along those lines, you're analyzing your shit. You're trying to call yourself out on things. What's something you're working on right now or something new you've learned about yourself recently? Um, yeah, man, I'm spot. actually, well, I'm kind of in the throes uh, of something right now. So that's an, that's an interesting, interesting timing for that question. Um, I, you know, I was pretty severely abused when I was a kid. Um, and I grew up when I really examined it as an adult um, and a lot of it was um, who I hung around with, you know, and situational, but both inside my house and outside my house, I always felt under the fear of violence. I always, mm. you know, if a car drove by, I, I had had cars, you know, the, the one of the worst ass weapons I've ever had was a car drove by and, and I looked at it wrong, you know, and this, and this dude got out and, and beat the fucking brakes off me. Um, so I, I just, where were of, you growing my, up? I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, mm. And um, always heard that was a rough hood, Des Moines. Uh, we just, you know, man, me and my brother, it was an interesting neighborhood um, because we went to uh, a really nice school that, that had a lot of rich kids in it. And there was this weird, like, dividing line where it was, like, kind of nicer suburban houses. Um, and then, like, the cul de sac that we lived in, there was, like, three decent sized houses, and we lived in one of them. Um, and by decent size, I just mean, you know, there are three bedroom homes, not like an apartment, but the whole cul-de-sac was section eight townhomes. Um, and then Hoover high school was like one or two blocks away. Um, so it was just, and that was like the school where fucking stabbings happened, shooting happened. It was madness. So we just got fucked with a lot. So I guess one thing that's been really heavy with me recently is tracing back my pathology of, uh, I'm so quick to react. I'm so quick to anger. I'm so quick to defense. Um, and it's because of trauma, man. And it's a word that gets thrown around a lot. Um, and, I, you know, I don't want to compare trauma dicks with anybody, but it's like sometimes when I when I hear trauma, I almost <laughs> it's like that side where it's like, you know, you keep saying that word. I don't think you know what it means, you know, and it's like, right. Yeah, you know, my prefrontal cortex literally was developed under the threat of violence. Um, so what I'm starting to see uh, at 32 is the physical strain that it takes on my body to be in a constant state of fight or flight, and the, the constant strain on my relationship with people close to me because I'm in a constant state of fight or flight. Um, and you know, I go to therapy, and I, you know. Uh, you know, I do a lot of shit to try to mitigate it, but I'm, um, yeah, man, I'm at a constant struggle with, uh, with reaction. I react to situations as though my life depends on it when, when it could be something as small as, you know, forgetting something at the store, or, you know. We, we were literally talking about this earlier today. Uh, also a 32 year old man who's dealt with, uh, you know, some difficult times and traumas uh, in my upbringing. And that was literally what I was talking with Adam about is I've been practicing on not reacting immediately. And, you know, we're always, we're always poised. And it sounds like you're, you're in a similar position where you, you're, 
you're literally walking around and everything's fine, but you're poised and you're ready to respond. Uh, right. Yeah. hundred like, percent. Like instant, you know, no, no lag, no, no time to stop and think or whatever. Something gets thrown your way and you immediately react or respond to it. And, um, you know, not doing that is the better way. I mean, it just simply is taking a moment, but we're conditioned. A lot of us, you know, we, we are, we're, we, we are associating with exactly what you're saying in the sense that we both do it ready to react. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, uh, in the shower later that day, you go, man, I really wish I wouldn't have could that's have done almost, that better. I, that's I could, that's almost have... always actually where it hits me too is when I'm yeah. in the shower and I'm like, damn, dude, it, you it, were a dick. That did not need to go to an yeah, eight. Yeah, could have you... been a two. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Man, I wish I would have taken a second because, yeah. because boy, I I mismanaged that. that. Now I gotta have that conversation over again, yep. you know, and 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 re redirect. You know, where I sent that conversation, that path with, with it be my child or my wife or my, you know, business partner or friend, uh, whoever it may be. But we 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 were poised and ready to fucking jump. When, when, yeah. when did you start to realize that, like, you you had some you had some shit to work out. You had some some shadows to face and some work to do to to clear your clear some things up. Like, what was it for you? For me, it was plant medicine. For you, it could have been, I don't know, somebody smacked you in the head for staring at their car well, around. what I mean, was it plant medicine was definitely plant medicine was definitely where i like got it you know i mean i tried to kill myself uh at the i had been i had been drunk for you know probably five six years straight you know and using cocaine you know very regularly and uh was homeless uh you know cr just crashing on random friends couches in chicago you know, I got to a place where people didn't want to hang out with me, where I once had a really tight group of friends, um, you know, and I cut my wrist open and I still, you know, I don't think I was trying to kill myself. I guess it really was the ultimate, like, I've lost my damn mind, haven't I? You know? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I went to treatment and got out of there and then I would just go through these spurts, man, where I'd be sober for six months and then I'd relapse for two days. And then I, you know, there was this constant battle and, um, yeah, you know, I had a I had a psilocybin experience completely by myself. Um, that was, you know, I still to this day, although it's you know, given me in one way or another, it's given me everything I currently have. I, you know, I still look at it as probably the worst night of my life. I was, I was, you know, I was certain I was dying. Um, yeah, and I was just being inundated uh, with these images of of my childhood and uh, my dad and. Uh, you know, I just could not believe, you know, I, it was almost like I could not believe that they had turned on me, that the mushrooms had turned on me. I was like, we've always had such a homeostatic relationship. Why, why, why are you doing this? Oh, we were cool, man. Yeah, what the fuck are we doing right now? Um, And when it was all said and done, I just was like, okay, I, I need to go to Nepal. Um, And that kind of began to lay itself out. But, I, you know, I remember I called my wife and we weren't living together at the time. And I was like, hey... I'm real fucked up from my dad, you know, um, and just how I grew up and, and the relationships that I had growing up. I'm just I think I'm real fucked up about it. And it was in Nepal that I mean, all you do is you walk, you know, you smoke hash and you walk. That's what you do in in the Himalaya. There's I mean. You just smoke hash every day and you walk all day <laughs> to get to the next village um, and you're staring around at the 
the most magnificent landscape you've ever seen. You're looking at a fucking MacBook Pro screensaver. You know, it's unbelievable what you're right. staring at every day. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was there that I really started to pick it apart and just be like, okay, so what am I going to do with it? You know, and that was when I started writing uh, the story of you. You know, I started writing, you know, I wrote over half of those songs over there. Um, and I, I let them sit for a while. Um, but when I came back was when I decided that I was going to do music, you know, and that's how long ago me, was that? Seven years, eight years, seven years. It was oh, seven wow. years in okay. April. Yeah. So you decided to start doing music seven or eight years ago. In my mind, that seems like that was just yesterday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, uh, you know, I'm an addict, you know, and I'm also, you know, that's the other thing to, you know, to compound on what you were saying, what's really hard, dude is when you have these ways and means of existing and moving that protect you, like you're talking about working a room, you know, I'm talking about being hyper aware, me being hyper aware has sometimes given me the 15 seconds that I needed to get out of a real fucky situation because I could smell it coming. You know yeah, sure. I mean? 100%. So, yeah. you know, and then, you know, now being like, okay, but I have a home, I have a wife, I have kids, I live in the safest place in the world. I'm not in danger and yeah, I know how to fight now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, it's just a, such a, it's a crazy thing to go, Oh wow. So I guess these character traits that have kept me safe my entire life, I have to say bye to them. You know, that's yeah, it's they easy become to get part of, yeah, they become part of your identity. And that's, that's something yeah. that is, is usually pretty well shared across all trauma victims of like childhood trauma whether it's abuse in the house, abuse out, abuse outside the house, whatever kind of trauma you you know that you incur as a kid, um, that shit sticks with you, and then it brings with it this whole bag of goodies, right? <laughs> like all this wonderful baggage, where like you're constantly sitting on the go button, you're always ready to bounce, you're always ready to bolt out of a situation or engage conflict in a situation. There's just this hypersensitivity to everything, and um, and and like you said, you have to really condition yourself to to accept. To accept when you are in a situation, whether whether you've cultivated or someone else has brought it to you, when you're in a situation that's safe and you're loved and you're safe and it's okay and uh, you don't even know what it's like to feel safe. That's that's hard. That trusting, you, you know, I, I find myself in situations with us and, and uh, I, I won't trust it. You know, it's it's a difficult thing to practice. Yeah. Well, when you have those traumas, they want to flare up like that all the time. How are you doing these days? Are you finally learning to chill the fuck out and get out of your root chakra and just chill and like accept that your life is good, you're safe, your wife and baby, are, your kids, everybody's good. You don't have to fight somebody when they, they're not trying to pull over and kick your ass on the side of the road. How are you doing these days? Uh, you know, if I had to give myself a grade, probably a C minus. You know, yeah, I mean, um, I'm not failing. You know, it's um, it's good. Here's the thing about me, too, man, is I <laughs> I'm getting a C minus with waking up before 6 a.m., stretching, meditating, journaling, cold shower. You know, I do all of the things I do all of the things. And uh, <laughs> and I still, you know, there's just. Again, man, you know, it's a hard thing, and especially the past few days, really, I've just been kind of really settling in, like, damn it, I'm still fucked up. 
you know, <laughs> like, yeah, dude. I've gone, you know, I've built this business. I've taken it from zero to a hundred. And, 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 you know, as far as stuff that Satsung's working on, it's just like the trajectory on paper is fucking insane. Um, I have a beautiful wife. I have beautiful kids. Everyone is healthy. Why am I, why are my teeth still gritted? You know? Yeah. Um, unclench your jaw so man take a breath i know i mean uh yeah i'm working on it every day it's it's something you know again i think step one is you know i look i look at, at my father for instance the man that raised me you know and he had the same issues but he approached the world as you know that he did not have a problem that everyone else just had an issue with how he operated and you know what's cool to me and exciting to see you know, to bring it full circle with whether it's this kind of music or art or, you know, just people waking up to the idea of like, oh, cool. Well, I don't want to pass this shit on to my kids. I actually want to be a good husband yeah. and I don't want to just blame other people for my problems. And, you know, and that's kind of the blessing in disguise of Donald Trump is it's just like, come on, guys, like this is just the most classic dickhead in history. You know, let's not be that guy. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> he'd be a great example of just. Embody the opposite of everything that he represents, and <laughs> you'll be sure. okay. Yeah, I guess I, that depends on who you say that to. My grandma would disagree. Yeah, right. You know, but uh, yeah, no, I I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, we being one one of the neat things I see like in this sort of modern renaissance of consciousness and spirituality, um, you know, and there's a lot of things that go into that, right? Conscious music is part of it, and the whole new age movement. And all of its pros and cons and fuckery and goodness and whatever else. You know, there's all so this much stuff fuckery. So much fuckery. But there's, you know, we're all hyper connected these days, man. The internet and social media, this podcast, you know, the, the reach of your music, um, these kinds of conversations. People are having them, people are becoming more aware that there are other ways to think and other ways to operate, other ways to handle shit. And so, like you said, maybe I don't have to pass all this shit on to my kids. Maybe, you know, if you'd never heard, like, you can't you can't deal with a problem until you name it. I believe that, right? Yes. You got yeah, to name a problem to deal with it. And the more we name... Recognition. Yeah, you got to recognize some shit. And you can't recognize something if you don't have a name. It's too complicated to talk about. You can't talk about it. And if you can't talk about it, you can't think about it or, or work on it. But, like, things like the, the term... Like you just said, trauma, right? Like something that a lot of people say the word trauma. Um, Ten years ago, I don't remember hearing the word trauma this much. No. Um, but now well, you, listen, hear, man, you hear it everywhere. Ta the, in yep. my opinion, not to cut, not to cut you off, but you know, there's the with the interconnectivity that we are in. You know, there's kind of this oppression Olympics that everybody wants to meddle in. You know, so a lot of these trigger yeah, words. Yeah, totally. You know. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah. It's what's what's another one of those words besides trauma? Well, I was gonna say. Well, I mean, even things like toxic. That's another yes. word you hear a lot. Or yes, um, cognitive dissonance, or that, um, you know, of course, generational curses. Yeah, yeah. You know, the new age thing. Sometimes I have to remind myself because sometimes some of it is just so goofy and so like, get the fuck out of here, dude. You know, you don't need to fucking put on a white robe to address me on Instagram. Get the fuck out of here. Um, but at the other side of it, it's like, dude, at least he's, you know, he, she, whatever. At least most people 
are looking for some sort of self betterment rather than stagnancy. Right. You know, so even the re- yeah, and know, that's... even the real goofy shit. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, you know, I, I don't want to cut you off, but I, yeah, no. That's that's kind of where I stand with the new age thing. Is like all the fuckery and goofiness, and like all of the really far out woo woo stuff. Like, and I'm cool with whatever as long as it works in the real world. But you know, um, for all of the things that people seem to have against like the new age people, like at least they're trying to make themselves better, right? And like I heard yes. Rogan say one time that like, um, a hater you'll you'll never find a hater that's doing more than you. It's always a hater that's doing less than you. No, and so, like, shit. if someone's hating on a, a, you know what I mean? And and think about that shit and, and like, see if see if you can find an exception to that. Because I haven't yet. And I heard it months ago. Um, but a lot of people hating on, like, if you're hating on someone else's spirituality, like, maybe you need to look at your own spiritual life. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we've so, probably all done it at some point or another. But We talk about mirrors all the time. I mean, right. when somebody is projecting something or is being negative at you, I mean, technically you're just holding a mirror up to them and they're basing off their worldviews and their own internal struggles compared to what they view you as. And a lot of times when you get a lot of pushback from somebody, it's exactly what you said. They're giving you a hard time about being a very spiritual person, very open-minded person. They probably need to dive into opening up their mind or or, or their spirituality. Uh, It's a mirror. Yeah. We hold up against everybody we interact with. Absolutely, dude. And you know what's a really wild phenomenon, again, to link all this shit together with what you just said, with social media, all that. You know, I just had an interaction with a dude last night. Um, You know, uh, uh, to quote my jujitsu professor, Will, uh, sometimes I meet people that have never been punched in the face before, and I feel very bad for them. Um, You know, there, (laughs) there are these people that... Not just online haters, but like so. He, so here was the dialogue last night, and I'm sure you've encountered someone like this on social media. No, everybody's share- super nice to me on social media. No one ever trolls me. Yeah. So this fucking a friend of mine made a post saying, you know, it showed a picture of of uh, of Floyd on the ground with the cop's knee on his head, and then it showed uh, that young white man that that shot those nine people. In South Carolina being arrested, and they put a vest on him and gave him a drink of water. And he had murdered nine people, you know. And this guy wrote a bad fucking check. But this guy goes, you know, his comment was, you can't compare these two things because they're different police departments. And I was like, well, dude, the common denominator is that they're both police. So, like, that's the congruent theme here that we're seeing across the country. This is a systemic problem between police and black folks. Not, you know, not department dependent. And he goes... Uh, it's not a systemic problem, and I think I would know way more about this than you. And I was just like, well, you don't know anything about me, so that's a weird thing to say. What if I'm a fucking sociology professor? You know, like, why would you lead with that? And then he goes... I love when yeah, people how- do that. Like, I've had people do that shit to me, where they just throw it out there and be like, well, I would know more about this than you, or like, you don't know about <laughs> no. this, because whatever, and you're like, I, you don't know me. What do you... Why would, what Listen, an odd thing to say to someone you don't know. worldview to yeah. operate yeah. Anyway, and go ahead. Yes, no, so exactly that, dude. And then he goes, I said, he goes, yeah, what makes you think that you would know more than me? I say, uh, I grew up in a Section 8 cul-de-sac, and uh, I've lived on the west and south sides of Chicago. And he goes, what neighborhoods? So I told him the names of the neighborhoods that I lived in, and he just started pulling up, uh, you know, like, median income in Humboldt Park, uh, you know, and being like, 
that's not even technically the south side. That's the west side. I'm like, bro, I still have family in Austin, and I guarantee you wouldn't even get out of your car to get fucking gas in that neighborhood. So, like, right. regardless, <laughs> what are you even doing right now? Like, what are we doing? You're just – you're literally He's on Wikipedia, bro. Person. Yeah, exactly. You're just attacking a stranger. Get off his dick. He's on Wikipedia. God damn. And it's just what's Wiki warrior. is that it makes me – it, it gets under my skin and it takes me about an hour to recover because yeah. I'm like, dude, there's part of me that wants to figure out where you live, accidentally bump into you and punch you in the fucking mouth and be like, hey, yeah. man, this is why you don't talk shit to strangers. <laughs> it's like that scene in um <laughs> in the Big Lebowski. This Jay and Silent Bob. That's a good one, too. Yes. Jay <laughs> and Silent Bob's an even better example. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just a crazy thing that there is people that are so, uh, you know, I guess fucked up that they're just like how they get off and feel good is by starting shit with random humans on the Internet and trying to just degrade strangers that they've never met. Like, so we JC and I were having this conversation literally literally today at lunch and uh, about how some people and, and we were kind of touching on this earlier about the religion versus spirituality thing like. There are people who genuinely enjoy – I think you're one of them. You know, JC and I are one of them. Like, genuinely enjoy going out and building bridges to connect with people and share ideas because we are – it fucking turns – me. it gets my dick hard to, like, learn someone's worldview and to find ways to connect about it and to discuss something fascinating that I might not be able to talk about during the course of my normal fucking muggle work every day. If we can, if we can talk about something cool and connect over something cool, I don't care what our differences are. And that Michelle. lights me up. The other end of that is like sharpening your pencil and hitting the internet and getting all your fucking Wikipedia tabs pulled up and just like cracking your knuckles. You're like, all right, motherfuckers, yep. Instagram, here I come. I'm going to go start a fight, you know? And Look, like, fuck you. Like, do something better with your time. Well, we, 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 we talked about this. You said, Drew, uh, you, you walk around, you know, some people haven't even been punched in the face. Yeah. You know, we were mm -hmm. like, you can identify a lot of these these uh, character types, these these go to battle on the internet types, and, and different people you interact with, you get these bad vibes. They've never been punched in the face. <laughs> They've never been yeah. hungry. They've never worried yep. about where they're gonna sleep. They never worried about you know anything. Yeah. It's almost like their life has been coddled, and not necessarily by choice by them. Right. But you can almost identify some yeah. of those 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 factors. Uh, uh, there, there are primal things as human beings that you need to experience. Being hungry, truly hungry, is a humbling mm -hmm. experience that will change your life. You know, mm -hmm. getting punched in the face, <laughs> getting knocked out, getting into a, a battle that you lose is a is a humbling experience that will change the course yes. of your life. It'll make you act differently the next fucking day. You'll become a different person. And there are just yeah. too many people walking around out there right now that haven't had yeah. that kind of experience. Well, and the thing I don't get too and it's is culture. it's like. It's like, I mean, what, like, you wouldn't say that to me if I was standing in front of you. You certainly wouldn't. And not even no. on some tough guy shit. You wouldn't talk that way to anybody standing in front of you that you didn't know. Just some random stranger. That would be the most outrageous thing yeah, you, you wouldn't do as a human way. being. You know? And what's crazy to me, too, man, is, is someone that does, uh, you know, train mixed martial arts. I know some dudes that are the most unassuming. They don't look like... Uh, they don't look like the Lone Star Grappler, man. 
that you know they are the most unassuming <laughs> dudes on the planet. Hundred and forty five. Quiet, quietest pounds. guy in the room is the one you need to worry yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Quietest just, guy in the room, you know, man. Just you gotta look for that cauliflower ear, bro. That's what I, I learned that when I was a kid. I was ten years old. I learned to look for that cauliflower yeah. ear. I was doing karate. And I was like, just go look I know for some the, dudes that have worn headgear their entire life because they just didn't want the cauliflower ear to affect their professional life. So, I mean, dude, there are some murderers undercover out there that are the nicest dudes on the planet that would sell you an RV, you know? And it's like, yeah. So, to, to think that you can approach the world that way, you know, I used to always say this shit in Chicago too, because we would get, you know, in dumb little bar fights with fucking college bros and stuff like that. You know, and I always remember being like, dude, you go to the wrong bar. It's like you what if you run across the dude who just lost his job and then found out his wife was cheating on him and he bought a gun that day Yeah. or has a pocket knife in his pocket? You know, it's like yeah. it's way better and safer and just better for everyone to just go through the world with respect. Just respect everybody that you encounter. It's something that is so inherent in uh, in martial arts that's like. You know, I have people that I consider family that I do jujitsu with, and we probably don't agree on shit outside of outside yeah. of the gym. But there is a respect. You are a man. I am a man. You are a woman. I am a man. Like, you, you know, and it's just something that I see lost, and it's something deep in internet culture where it's like, well, I'm never going to have to see you face to face, so fuck you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm totally with you. There, but there, there is – like to me, you know, and this is just my perspective, you know, I, I always kind of relate things back to like our connection with each other and our mm -hmm. connection with nature. And like just the word connection is a big word in my, my vernacular. I use that a lot. And it's like we've disconnected from nature. And when you disconnect from nature, like, hey, do you follow that? Uh, I, surely you follow the, um, the Instagram page, Nature is Metal. You know I do. I fucking, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> you got it. Every, yeah, yeah, as, yes, it, it, of course you do. Uh, so nature is metal, man. And like when you connect with nature, and when you're out in nature, when you're you're you know when you're in mountain lion territory in a soft shell tent for three or four days up in the mountains, and you know you become hyper aware of that, or not hyper aware, but just you know self aware of like your own mortality and 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 the the circle of life and how violence can end it and um. When you get more disconnected from nature and you, you start to live in this virtual cyber reality that, that social media has has created, you lose all that shit. And I actually wonder if some of these dipshits wouldn't lack the good sense not to say something like that to you or to Lone Star Grappler. You know what I mean? Because they say it all, the, all day long on Instagram and on Facebook and nothing happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You it's know, weird. Something that's that's been given me that's been a good exercise for me recently has been like you don't know and you probably won't ever know because the person that would show you could look in your eyes and and know that you don't know you know um yeah. I've I've honestly we had a we had a funny situation at a festival in Massachusetts last summer um where so a, a quick rundown of how festivals are they're kind of they're kind of uh stressful from the musician side because you have this schedule to keep so typically for sound check you're looking at like 30 minutes now when we played a venue sound checks two and a half hours you know it's very mellow yeah there's not usually a big hurry but anyway this band had played before us um and it was i think it was stefan's first gig with us um 
but they get done and we only have a 25 minute changeover. And uh, the guy that was the guitar player for the band uh, was just standing in the front of the stage talking to this, this girl. And everyone else was kind of tearing down and their other dudes in the band were like trying to like have casual conversations with everyone. And we're like, yeah, man, let's talk after the show. We got to, you know, you know, we have, we have very limited time to do this. So let's, let, let's chat after, but this dude kept talking to this girl. So he's not moving his amp. He's not moving his guitar, his pedal board. Stefan goes up to him and goes, Hey bro, uh, we have really short time. And I didn't want to see this part. He goes, you know, we have really short time. Can I help you carry any of your stuff off? And the guy goes, fuck you. You don't ever come up to me when I'm talking to a fan. And these people had – this band had 17 people watching them play. you know. Um, and I kind of heard Stefan going off on him, and I went over to Stefan and was like, no, dude, not on my watch. Like if you're rolling with me, if you're a hired musician in my crew, you don't pop off on anyone. So I was almost kind of defending the guy like, look, man, Stefan, you can't just pop off at someone because you think they're a dick, you know? So I go up to the guy was like, hey, man, he didn't he wasn't trying to be aggressive. He was trying to be helpful after Stefan shared what he said. And he goes, no, fuck you and fuck him. Who the fuck do you think you are? Like, and I'm just like, <laughs> whoa, dude. Now, uh, the you know, varying versions of this at the same intensity occur about three or four more times. And I'm just kind of like laughing. But then I go from laughing to like shaking. And once I start shaking, man, I'm like, uh oh. And he just keeps talking shit. And I'm just like, okay, we're going to let it go. I'm trying to lead by example. I just tried to calm Stefan down. So I can't go calm Stefan down and then go get in this dude's grill. And we let it go. We let it go. We speedy sound check. We hop off. And as we're walking up the ramp to go on stage, he like flinches at me like, what? You know, like bucks his chest out, like flinches at me. And bro, I hopped off. I hopped off that ramp so fast and i just put my forehead like we were touching eyebrows and i looked in his eyes and i saw him go oh fuck so i was just like yeah dude that's what i thought (laughs) you know like this seemed like a good idea in your weird instagram version of arguing with a stranger but like you must stop now that's it (laughs) that's it well like growing up in texas there, like, here's the thing. Like, we live in the Bible Belt. JC and I grew up here, and to varying degrees, the Bible Belt was a part of our lives, our personal and family lives, you know. Um, but certainly, it's it, it's it's all over the Southern U.S. But like, as many problems as like we have with the Bible Belt and and all of the that stuff, the South also has a, a well earned reputation for hospitality. Yeah, real nice. And, you know, yeah, I think so. I hope that that's been your experience down here. Not that your ass ever comes here anymore. <laughs> that was shade, by the way, in case you didn't catch it well over the fucking poor connection. <laughs> I caught it. I caught it. Um, th- okay, good. Uh, but anyway, people are like really hospitable, and and also we all carry guns yeah. on us in our truck, at our house, in the studio. Wherever we can fit a gun, we put a gun. And then we invent things to put guns in places where they probably shouldn't even go. And so, like, it's the opposite of internet culture here. It's like you genuinely just treat people with respect. You certainly don't start unnecessary fights in public. Um, We had a couple of attempted mass shooters a couple of years ago that got cracked in the dome, like, from close range by, like, three people before they could get a shot off. You just act right here. It's funny because I know Chicago is, like, 
Chicago's like your spot, right? That's like your keep, favorite place. Fucking A, man. Keep everybody okay. on their heels. So here we go. So my first my first trip to Chicago, <laughs> you know, my little bumpkin Texas ass goes up to Chicago and it's in the winter. And so, you know, you guys, you Chicagoans are always in a great mood in the middle of dead winter in Chicago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so like I rented a car and I pulled up. I'm in the middle of downtown Chicago, like right there on fucking Ma like Magic Mile, you know, area. And I'm just pull up at a stop a stop uh, stoplight. And I, I pull like a little bit too far into the walkthrough lane, like the the walking lane, the pedestrian lane. And dude, a couple of people come by and they start banging on my hood of my car, like yelling at me and flipping me off and cussing at me and stuff. And the guy in my passenger seat was from Chicago. And I was I was completely beside myself. And I'm like, I freak out. I'm about to I'm jumping out of the car and he grabs me and he's dying laughing. He's like, no, dude, we're not in Texas. This is Chicago. That's just how people are. It's just mm -hmm. how they operate. They just, you know, you pull two or three inches too far into the pit. Like that will straight up get you pistol whipped in Dallas. Just so you know, if, if yeah. anyone ever comes to, <laughs> comes to Dallas and thinks about banging on the hood of a car. Cause they pulled three inches into the pedestrian lane. You're going to get pistol whipped. You just better hope it's something small, like a P19 or something. But, uh, yeah, man, <laughs> respect, uh, which brings me into the whole martial arts thing because, you know, I, uh, I grew up doing some martial arts and then I didn't do shit through my twenties and totally fell off. And then I got back into, into it because, uh, you know, we have a mutual friend, you know, Lone Star Grappler, David Halsey, he's a, uh, jujitsu black belt, um, under, uh, soul fighters here in Texas. But, uh, he dragged me back into it. My boys do it with me. I've got a, a 10 year old and a 14 year old. It's been life changing for them particularly for my 14 year old. And it's been good for them to see me get beat up and get, get back up again. Um, what yeah, is jujitsu? What, what has martial arts been in? in yeah. It's, it was so, yeah. Talk about it because like, I know it's been a big thing in your life and like, we've had conversations about you being a musician and you being a martial artist. And like, I didn't realize how high of an esteem you held martial arts. I mean, I knew it was important to you, but talk about yeah, it because my... you know, a, a lot of people are looking for answers in, in that area. Yeah, I mean, first off, uh, it's you know, it's my it's my life. Um, you know, I I want to have a successful music career. You know, at the same exact level that I want to be uh, a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. There, I mean, I see them as two con congruent things. Um, I don't I don't see one without the other. Um, and you know, one opinion that i share uh with only a select few i think is there's this this assumption that jujitsu is for everybody and it absolutely is not um it is if you thank you um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> you just gave jc the out that he's been looking for with david this um, whole time so thanks we've been working yeah. on that for two years yeah so and, and here's why i think that um a e you have to have your ego in check so we have like a lot of uh muscly college bros um, stop by and they listen to Joe Rogan and they, you know, think, well, I'm jacked. I'm going to get in here and wreck shop. And they quickly find out that, um, you know, the 145 pound skinny guy can crawl on your back and choke you unconscious. Um, so there's a lot of people that can't handle that aspect. And it's, and when you start, it's so daunting, you, you know, you're just, you realize that not only do you not know how to get a submission or defend a submission, but you don't even know what to do with your feet and hands. You're just kind of like, I don't, what are we, I don't, you know, it's a language. 
so it's really daunting to learn. Um, on top of that, you know, if you do it, and maybe this is just me because I live my life the way that I do, but you know, bro, I have had a, a legitimate list of injuries in the past three and a half years. You know, I've torn my MCL, I've broken fingers, um, I've broke my nose. Um, you know, I had two herniated discs that almost had to get surgery on them. I almost, I almost had to cut my fucking throat open to fix my neck. Um, you know, and I haven't ever really questioned whether I should keep doing it or not. Um, is it, so, those are all jujitsu related injuries? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I know you didn't want to answer that question, but I fucking had to ask it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, ask, ask David about, ask David about his body and how it does. Um, uh, you know, it's, but it's, a good Oh no, take. I know, I know David very well. He's a very yeah, good friend. Yeah. I, I understand yeah, the torture that he's in, you know, yeah. um, we watch so him get up from thing. the recliner every day. Yeah. Yeah, so there is this. But you know what? He'll still is, fuck you up, though. He will. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I think there's a thing. Um, you know, my my professor always says, you know, everybody's searching for this mind body connection, right? How do we, how do we get into this flow, um, where we feel completely one, where our consciousness and body are not separated? A, I believe combat is the is the best place for that because uh, any any deviation from that harmony will be met with uh, punishment. Um, you know, to That's deviate fair. from it, to deviate from it, it makes you very unsafe. Um, but two, you know, if you practice jujitsu all of the time, multiple times a week, and you also lift weights and run and ride a bike and do all the other things I do with my body, my relationship with my body is so in depth because sometimes my left shoulder hurts because there's a disc there. So I have to, I have to adapt how I'm going to be active that day. You know, my right knee currently is not in a really great place. I have a torn meniscus. And so I'm adapting my workouts around this injury. So I'm never not in my body. Does that make sense? Like I'm yeah, always. Yeah, dude. Makes perfect sense. Perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I'm, and I'm, I think. I mean, you're also like just for the listeners too, because I want to. I want this to be a balanced fucking conversation. Like you're a maniac. You're not like you can do jujitsu or anything. Like I used to do gymnastics. That was my thing growing up more than anything. Was like I I enjoyed gymnastics. I did martial arts too, but like tumbling. I like doing flips and and, mm -hmm. and tumbling and doing stuff like that. And um, you know, you, you you catch a lot of injuries doing that stuff too. But I was I wasn't. You know, I, I always thought I always thought it was a problem or a downfall, but like I wasn't like an avid maniac about anything. Most of my life, um, you got to love yourself and listen to your body and 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 fight that urge to be a maniac and go train while you're injured. And I know you struggle with that. Yeah, man, I'm a maniac about everything. Um, right you now, it's it's my it's my gift and my curse. You know, I. You know, the day I started doing jujitsu, I said, I'm going to get, you know, I want to get a blue belt in less than a year. And everyone was like, yeah, well, it doesn't really work like that. And I was like, motherfucker, watch me. Um, and, you know, I'm, A, I'm really goal oriented. But two, if I find something that serves my soul, um, I don't want a little bit of it. You know, I want it. I want yeah, all I get of that. it. And I, and I want it. And I want to dive in neck deep and really swim in it. And and jujitsu is that for me, man. I don't know 
It's made me a far more peaceful person. You know, I, it's given me more empathy. Again, like we're talking about, um, you know, with, with people talking shit or whatever, you kind of start to, uh, the deeper you get into it, you know, you start to understand it's that, like, you know not what you do. Like, you don't even understand right. the mechanics of the human body and what it means to fight another human being because you don't do it, you know, 20 times a week. <laughs> and, you you know, so you're walking around the world as a person that doesn't fight people all of the time. So you don't really have any context for the idea of that. Um, it's it's given me more than I yes. can than I could ever describe, man. I just it's given me such a profound respect for for everybody that I encounter. And um, yeah, it serves me in a way that I, I can't even explain. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't you know serve asking. But I was thinking earlier, we were talking about, you know, always being postured, fight or flight, you know, and, and I was curious, but I think you've answered that as far as what, you know, training in jujitsu and just having your fucking wits about you in a situation. What does that, you know, do for somebody who's always postured for fight or flight if you're prepared to fight? You know, how does that change that? What, what are the contexts? You know, it actually what's the difference it, before jujitsu to after if you're like, you know what? Yeah, this guy's bigger than me or whatever, but like I know I can fucking handle myself. I can I can I can grapple. Might not be able to go toe to toe. It's gotta calm you down, doesn't it, it, it Drew? It, it it does have to 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 moderate that. Yeah, jujitsu is to Drew what Ritalin is to ADHD, I think, man. It um it Fair. puts me in a place where my, my fight or flight isn't awkward, it's not unappreciated, it is celebrated. You know, my ability to be 100% present and reactive, especially in a combat setting, is like, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to have in that room. And what's crazy, dude, is like, the feeling that I get from jujitsu. like, there's this thing that happens to me, dude, where I roll, like, say I go in, and like last week, I did, I think, six rounds of boxing, and then rolled for 30 minutes, and then did a class. You know, and by the time my ass hits the seat of my truck, I just have this, <sighs> you know, I just, the thing that people get from yoga, the thing that people get from meditation, uh, I think that's what it is, man. Because when I'm done training really hard, I feel so at peace. I feel so calm. You couldn't start a fight with me. I just am like, a perfect example, man. I had a really great training day uh, right before the pandemic. And I, I went to get my cell phone switched over to a new phone, you know, and, you know, when they hook up the new phone, they're like, okay, it'll be ready in an hour. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go eat. So I mm -hmm. go to this little restaurant and I'm turned around watching this TV and there's this guy sitting in front of the TV and he goes, you got a fucking staring problem. And I literally smiled at him was like, oh, no, man, not at all. I'm watching the TV behind you. Like there was no part of my brain that was like, what? You know, I like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it just, uh, right. yeah, it puts me at a great sense of ease and calm, man. It, it Yeah, that's <laughs> Excuse me. It makes a huge difference. My um, my 14-year-old has always been, you know, he's a very, uh, he's a sweet, very, very smart kid. He's like the most loving, you know, kid ever. But he's never been super into, like, sports and, and, and um, just athletic stuff. My younger kid has been more of the athlete. But getting both of them into jujitsu changed my 14-year-old's life because he went from just being this – and he's a big kid, by the way. He's 14, but he's my, he's my height. He's 5'11", uh, or he's 5'10", almost 5'11". He's about 150 pounds, um, whereas I'm 5'11", 185. Uh, so 
take a kid that size who is growing like an inch a month for the last, you know, two years or 18 months or whatever, um, and goes from being just like this sweet, um, timid, maybe not the best self-esteem or whatever, because how can you have self-esteem when you're not, you know, pushing yourself and challenging yourself? Stick him in jujitsu, whole different human being a year later, whole different human being, right? Yes, this is dude. like so many of the, so many of the, the, the school, like he, he was dealing with a lot of anxiety at school because um, public schools, you know, it's just not a good, it's not a good nourishing setting for a highly creative, highly intuitive kid um, who's not, doesn't do things by the, you know, within the box and uh, jujitsu completely almost completely alleviated all of his anxiety around like testing and doing the stuff at school and just doing the schoolwork and everything and so he would just come home instead of beat down from a day at school he would come home happy hop in my truck happy and excited and then we would go to jujitsu and then he was stoked after jujitsu because like he would like either either tap somebody out or he would like land a you know um you know do some kind of a transition or a sweep on somebody or whatever. And he's like, Hey dad, did you see that? I'm like, hell yeah, it was fucking awesome. And yeah, you know, incremental progress, just one man. The, yeah, it's just constant incremental progress. And, and for any parents out there, like who are dealing with anything with a kiddo who is having confidence issues. And this goes very much for little girls as much as little boys. Um, you know, jujitsu is like the best thing ever. And whenever you sit in there and talk to the other parents in jujitsu, like during during the kids' classes, they'll say that. They'll be like, Man, we tried this, we tried that. We went we were going to counseling, we were doing went and saw a child developmental neuropsychologist, you know, I've done all these things. And then you, nothing in my kid's life has affected his life the way that jujitsu did. We tried medication, we tried different things for anxiety, for all this and all that. Um Yeah, that kids, kids don't ever get monster. hurt either, He's, too, you know, man. They're all fucking rubbery, yeah. and they just don't get injured. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I got to speak to to a lot of my injuries. You know, again, we got to trace it back to my pathology, which is hard in the motherfucking paint. So um, you kids aren't <laughs> doing, doing jujitsu, you know. And I think, you know, to speak on what you said, man, I've even seen that in, in a lot of adults, man. We get these very soft-spoken, kind of nerdy, moderately antisocial people that don't really talk to anyone for a while, man. And by the time they get their blue belt, you know, they're ready to go start their own companies. You know, they're just full of confidence. Yeah. And, um, you know, and again, that's really the gift. You know, like I always say, you know, if we rate human interaction on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most intense, 1 being, you know, not at all. Uh, violence is, is at 10. So if you get comfortable at a 10, you know, the rest of human interaction becomes, most of it becomes a one or a two. Um, and with people with high anxiety, like you're saying, they are uh, perceiving most of their interactions at a seven or an eight. Um, yep. And when they get comfortable being in that 10, you know, everything else just really mellows out. It gives them a frame of reference because they got yep. nothing to compare their day-to-day -day anxiety with besides sitting on a couch when it's 70 degrees playing a video game and that level of stress from not being able to beat that boss after the first try that's a 10 that's a 10 yep and and that remains a 10 and then so you have kids shooting up schools um yep. because any like derailing that happens beyond that level 10 that was sitting on a couch at 70 degrees not being able to beat the boss on your first try on a video game um and then a teacher 
gives you a bad grade or a student says something bad to you or whatever. And like, that's, that's a hundred on a scale of one to 10. Yeah. But then you take a kid, you put him on a jujitsu mat and you, you make him fight for his life in a controlled, safe environment where everyone's there to be constructive, which at our gym, we have like the best jujitsu place that I've seen. Um, just because the, the people there are so like all the vibes, there are great and people are amazing. And the, you know, David, is one of our professors right so like he controls that and like you'll have these college bros come in and like mishandle a white belt and so then you get <laughs> everybody grabs the popcorn and, and they get to go watch david mishandle the college bro the blue belt oh yeah you love know? that that's i mean a- <laughs> that's the, the that's the checks and balance that's really missing in life you know that's the other thing that you know that comes with it again is that's that humbleness of there's no end to it. You will never say I'm the best at jujitsu in the world. It's like, well, you don't know that. Um, so you're never not learning. You're never not going to get beat. So it's like, you know, that sort of emotional checks and balances is really crucial, man. Really crucial for development, I think. It is. It, it really is. And that's the cool thing. Like they've done these studies on different kinds of uh of critters you know um different kinds of mammals different kinds of reptiles none on mice and on monkeys and everything and like one of the most unanimous things is like um or universal things is that the young like young mice young lizards young whatever like they'll play together they'll wrestle together and they'll fight each other but like if one of them beats up on the other one 95 percent of the time the other one's not gonna want to play with them anymore yeah but if they can, you know, if through that physical engagement, like that, that ongoing physical engagement between, you know, particularly two young males, there will become an, there will, a natural balance will form. And one of them who's maybe bigger and tougher and stronger, he'll win 60% of the time. But as long as the other one, who knows, he's probably smaller and weaker and whatever, as long as he's winning 40% of the time, then they continue to that to, to perpetuate that exercise, which continues with their cognitive development, their mind body balance, all that stuff. And anytime you have a repression of things in the, you know, in, in any area of life, they have, they have unhealthy stagnant sort of expressions that they find their way out of. And so like one of the things is like our young men, young people in general, like they're fucking, they're lacking exercise and they're lacking physical altercation and they're lacking grinding you know the challenge the challenge of of being a young man is just it's not there dude my fucking kids they they go they they they, they put my kids outside for recess like twice a week for 30 minutes or something like that and these young boys are just stuck in front of computer screens and then they send them home and it's like you got Pornhub. you know what i mean it's this is yep. it's like an, an it, the, the most the most perfectly engineered way to fuck up the uh, development of a young man. Yeah, like instead of instead of like our ancestors used to send our our thirteen year old twelve year old boys off into the woods on a on a fucking pot full of peyote tea, you know, and uh, just say hey go off into the mountains and figure your shit out. Come back in two yep. days once you once you have a name once you once the spirits give you your fucking name you can return. Um, yeah. And we, and we lack any sort of rite of passage and we, and we lack the ability for young men to, to squabble and to have problems and, yep. um, and all that stuff, dude, speak have to that. S- like, have what's, you ever, what's going on? Have, so have you ever read the book, uh, breaking open the head? I don't know how to read. Okay. Yeah. That you'll Wait, have what that. Was it? Uh, Daniel Pinchbeck wrote this book called breaking open the head. 
and and a good chunk of it yeah, is about right his uh his experiences with um you know psychedelics and uh and kind of what they did in his life but if, to me the book is a lot less about psychedelics and a lot more about um rites of passage he has the he uses this term cadult mm-hmm. um and essentially that's what he kind of breaks down is a lot of our societal faults are that you know like african cultures some african cultures go okay on this date we are going to scar your face and from this day forward you're a man there will be no mistaking it because you'll have these scars on your face or Mm -hmm. we'll give you this tattoo or this piercing some marking that says you are no longer a child you're a man and and we have all downloaded as a village we've all downloaded what that means to you yeah. So by the time you get these scars on your face, you know exactly what the fuck it is. It's a ceremony. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yes, there is. There's a there's a there's a moment, you know, and the American version of that is uh, prom, high school graduation, you know, college where you join a frat and fucking get alcohol poisoning. And, uh, you know, that some you all sorts of really helpful, healthy culture. shit. Yes. Um, right. So it's like. You know, and a lot of folks don't find, you know, whether it be jujitsu or whatever, they don't find that until, you know, their 40s. You know, some people don't find it until after they retire. Um, and and I think I think what you're saying as far as like rites of passage, like, yeah, there's some sort of missing link uh, for expectation. And a lot of it is, dude, is this technology that says I don't need to go meet a girl. I can watch yeah. porn. I don't need to have friends in real life because I have friends that I play Fortnite with. We talk all of the time and it's like, yeah, but those people aren't coming to your funeral, dude. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, I've um, got a flat or I ran out of gas and I'm in a pinch. Can you come help me out? That's a friend. Yep. Yeah, dude. That's exactly. You know? dude. I'm going out of town. Not- I need somebody to watch the farm for me. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I'd I think- be, I'd be remiss. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's just a, you know, it's a symptom of our culture that is, um, yeah, aiming to keep people uh, inside and staring at a screen, you know, and it's easy to do. Well, yeah, I mean, what what you what you're doing when you're when when you're doing that as a society is, and w- w- you know, once you I don't know, maybe this is just my perspective, but I feel like once you have an eye to see these things, you see them everywhere, and and all the dots connect perfectly. Is that this society has been engineered to remove people's autonomy? like to remove people's ability to manage their own health, to understand their own food supply, to understand how to, how to, you know, um, to, oh, yeah, to, to yeah, start yeah. a business you don't need to, to be, you don't need to, to think be about independent. That. We'll think about it for you. Yeah, it's not you. important. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. You just want to be able to go to the place and have it put in your hand. You don't need to think about that, dude. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and yeah, that's to 100%, me. hundred percent, you know, and so. That, that's no. just precisely why I think, uh, you know, psychedelics are important, man, because there isn't, I don't, I just don't know of any other thing short of maybe finding out that you're like terminally ill and then coming back from that. I just don't know of any other tool, uh, in, in the planet earth toolbox, uh, that makes you more self-aware than that of like, oh man, I am, a living, breathing being, and I've never once questioned where I'm from or why we're doing any of this or what this even is or how do I feel when I eat this way? How do I feel when I drink this way? You know, that just like breaking open of the head. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I wrote that book down. I'm going to check it out 
Absolutely for sure. Do you believe in aliens? I can't not believe in aliens, man. Like, That's listen. Fair. It's a fair I can't. Reason. I want to hear his explanation. Listen, we, you Tell know, me. to quote to quote to quote Tommy Lee Jones in Men in Black. All right, the reason we call it space is because there's a hell of a lot of it. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, dude. I don't know what's out there. Like you're telling me that there is an infinite amount of galaxies planets stars and we keep finding more and more and more it's like well if it's infinite and it must be oh dude i'm just tripping myself doesn't that ever just fuck with you outer space could be infinite yeah dude so listen it there's this this thing i came up with as a kid i read this book on called probability one and there's this like idea of infinite possibilities by probability and it's exactly what you're saying if the universe is infinite or even really anything close to it then there could be anything. Because like, if you roll a dice one time, you might get a six, you might get a five, you might get a one. But if you roll it 100,000 times, you're going to get a one, surely. You're going to yeah. get a one. You're going to get yeah. a six. If you roll it 100,000 times, you know you're going to get a six. If you roll Dude, it infinite you know, times, you know you're going to get a three in there somewhere. So the universe totally. has got to work that way. Yes. There could, you know, there might be, uh, you know, an alternate reality where, you know, the three of us are doing the exact same thing in a completely other corner of the universe, you know? Um, you know who's real into aliens? Who? Naka. Tom DeLong. Tom DeLong. I, was, Tom I swear DeLong. to God I was thinking Tom DeLong. I swear <laughs> yeah. to God, dude. Yeah, Tom Dang, get out of my brain, bro. Dude, that was one of the most outrageous podcasts I've ever heard in my life, just to be like, they stopped me at the airport and sat me. I love, too, that Joe Rogan just has zero problem calling bullshit. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Who sat you down? Like, what are you talking about? Dude, it was the Denver airport. It's, it's, there's, it's full of aliens. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, um... Yeah, I never thought much about aliens, but I uh, I just did a podcast with a guy like last week, and we've been doing like a, a podcast series with him. He's an author. He's a super smart guy, but he's got some really far out beliefs on some things, and he thinks that we came from aliens. And you know, I don't know. Maybe one day I'll, I'll believe it, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not with all that, but I would not doubt that, especially with all the stuff that they just declassified. You know, here's the thing about Trump, dude. He's a uh, he is a hundred percent reaction. So the yeah, yeah. only I'll... thing that the the only thing that I can think of is that you know when you become president, they sit you down and they just kind of declassify. You they know, show, they you show, show you all the shit. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they showed him the alien shit. He was like, "We need a fucking space force." Yes, <laughs> space force. <laughs> you know that what? Makes no... perfect sense. That's that what, exactly sense. what happened. They sat him down, and that reactive motherfucker was like. Bam! Space Force. Yeah, we gotta I, get on this. We all, yeah, we gotta get on top Sp- of this shit. Th- there's a Netflix show that came out literally today that I'm excited to watch tonight. It's called Space Force, and it's starring Steve Carell with the original writers of The Office. Oh yeah, I can't so, wait. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um. So Drew, so just so you so you know, so like, uh, my we we lost my uncle um two weeks ago tomorrow. Oh, we sorry. lost my uncle. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. Um, but it's weird. And so I'm, I haven't shared this story publicly. I haven't shared this at all. And I may end up editing this out. I'm not sure. But, uh, so my uncle was the director of the Orion program for NASA. And they were the ones that were building all the shit, like to search for extraterrestrial life. And like, he knew they were aliens. And 
we'd like my kids and me and like Ashley and my dad, like we all would go up and go visit him at the neutral buoyancy lab where they have the full size mock-up of the international space station down inside the largest swimming pool, the largest indoor swimming pool on earth. And they have a full size international space station. We'd go in there and kick it with the astronauts Damn. and he just, and he just supposedly committed suicide 10 or thir- well, thir- four, 13 days ago. And so like, the uh they released the the navy released this footage of the uh ufos did you see that yeah yeah dude those videos are wild too you're yeah i mean if someone's been like a lifelong pilot and is like i can't tell you what the fuck that was you know like yeah yeah it's a bizarre thing so like the navy released those things uh those videos and then, like a week later, like the new Space Force flag was unveiled, and SpaceX is trying to partner with NASA to take over all their rocketry from this point forward. And then, all of a sudden, the director of the Orion program, who just happened to be my uncle, uh, that's crazy, commits suicide all within a couple of weeks. Dr. Charlie Lundquist, yeah, you can go look it up. But what's odd on top of all this is that the news, we can't find anything about it online. Like the news is not reporting it or anything. Had his funeral on Tuesday. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a weird, weird, it's a weird thing. So the alien thing has always been a weird thing for me because we kind of have some NASA people in our family, and um, I've never been like a an X Files guy or whatever, but I always I'm always curious about aliens and shit like that. And then whenever they start making posts about it, like when the the Navy starts posting videos and stuff of UFO footage, and this big white tic tac moving backwards and forwards what and up and down and sideways and underwater. And... I don't know, man. Did you ever hear about Operation? Uh, uh, what was that called? Was it Operation High Jump? So we do a lot of conspiracy shit and like um, declassified do- government documents and stuff like that on here on the show. Did you ever hear about Operation High Jump? So there was a guy um, named uh, Admiral Richard Byrd in uh, the late 40s. I think it was like 47 or 49, like right after World War II. And for whatever reason, the U.S. military sent this admiral, very high-ranking guy, obviously, in the Navy. And uh, gave him a whole, like, battalion of, like, or whatever you call it, a flotilla of, like, battleships and aircraft carriers and all this shit. And 4,000 troops and sent them to Antarctica. And, like, four, three, four years after the war. Why the fuck would you do that? And then when they came back, they were all, like, limping back. And they had lost, like, ships. And they had lost airplanes. And they had lost all this shit. And anyway, Admiral Byrd wrote about it and said that they were they encountered flying craft that were zipping around and performing aerial maneuvers that no ship should be able to do. And they fucked them up. And they were, he was saying that these ship could, these ships could travel from pole to pole in a matter of like minutes or whatever. And, uh, they ended up sticking them in a mental institution after that. True story. Jesus, dude. It's a fucking bizarre. What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the, welcome to Wayfinder, I... Drew. Yeah. Well, that's just like, like all that shit too of, uh, you know the like LSD experiments that they did, where they brainwashed people into believing that they were brainwashed in a different country. Like, imagine being the poor bastard that's like, "Wait, so the Koreans brainwashed me, and what I saw wasn't real?" And then later candidate. find out, like, "Oh, they, yeah, exactly, yeah, like, yeah, that shit blows me away, man. I can't spend, uh, I can't spend too much time on that sort of thing. My brain." Uh, Start rabbit-holing, man. You'll never come back. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, uh, listen, like, every, the, the only thing that's different between me and Eddie Bravo is that I found the brakes before I could 
Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's like, fair. Dude, I I, I I fully empathize for that guy. I'm just like, dude, if I didn't have a bunch of stuff keeping me grounded and being like, I don't have time for that, I would be you. <laughs> you know? Well, see, dude, like, that was me um, before my, my youngest son was born 10 years ago. I had a, I had a different podcast and like a, a blog and I was like dedicated to it, man. And it was it was uh, I was a rabbit holing son of a bitch. And it was just like nonstop rabbit holes. And I went to some dark, crazy places and I hung it up. And so when I came back and did this podcast two years ago, when I decided to start doing it, I was like, I am not doing anything like that. This is going to be a whole different thing. I'm not even going to touch any of that shit. But you can totally run off the deep end and do that stuff. We did a we did a podcast last year with EJ from Freedom Faction, and that guy brought in a stack. We he came in from, oh, Albu- from yeah. he came in from Albuquerque. We flew him in, and he had a stack of government documents. And we went we talked for like 16 hours over two days, and uh, this cat's just showing us government experiments you know where they're they're taking people who are doing witchcraft in a laboratory and they have all of the doctors like writing up the lab reports of what was going on and they're levitating people and healing people and making people's heads explode and it's all declassified government shit like yeah you don't want to you don't need to do that people need to let's stick to what we can control let's control our controllables what do you think yeah yeah dude it's uh you know i if I didn't have so much self work to do, maybe that's the thing. Is Eddie Bravo's just done got all his homework out. on himself? He's got his shit so together that he's just like, <laughs> yeah, no, I gotta dig into other shit. My shit's boring. I know it already. Yeah, he thinks the earth is flat too. I think. I, I don't think he's at home with a wife and kids or anything like that. I think he's he's a guy in Los Angeles and he's got a little bit of fame and some nice money in his pocket. And he doesn't have, like you said, the grounders. Yeah. So you can he can he can float out into that space and operate in it for extensive periods well, he's of time. leaned into it for sure yeah yeah but but with without any of those those tethers yeah. that keep you keep you from going too far I down the so. rabbit hole i guess so what about giants do you know there were giants all over the world drew i've heard of this there's actually one claim to be in livingston montana i bet there is where are you at down in montana billings it's- so I live an hour southwest of Billings, uh, right up against the Beartooth Mountains. Um, so we're Beartooth Mountains. There's us, the Beartooth Highway, and then that goes into Yellowstone Park. So I live at the feet of all of the tallest mountains in the state. Well, but, as as a follower of you on Instagram, it was wild that you have a video one day of of your son just like running through green grass, playing outside, and then literally the next day, there's like six inches of snow coming down. In oh, May. It's, and it's May. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's part of uh, that's the tax you pay to live up here. Is you know one a couple. Well, I think it was like seven years ago. It snowed on the fourth of July. It always warms up right away after. But yeah, man, you never know. Like yeah, like you guys saw. I mean, that was a week ago. It snowed six inches. You know, mm-hmm. so, and now it's eighty degrees outside and sunny. So that's crazy. Yeah, it's madness. That's crazy. But I love it. Are you vegan? No. How do you prepare your steaks? Depends what kind of steak. You know, I hunt, so I have game hmm. usually. Um, like if I'm cooking like a deer chop, I cook it enough to not get food poisoning. Fair. Um. And if I'm cooking a steak, still medium rare, probably. Yeah. 
closer to medium than medium rare, probably. That's right where I'm at. That's so, right where I'm so at. So what are you hunting up there? Is that mule deer, whitetail, uh, elk? This year we went out. I did not get an elk. Um, I got a mule deer um, and a whitetail this year. But That's my beautiful. professor my professor and I went out together, and he got the whitetail. I got the mule deer, and he just gave me his uh, his deer as well. What was really cool is when the pandemic first hit, I just offered um, – I just got on online – to the Red Lodge Buzz page because I'm looking at my freezer and I'm like, does anybody want any deer meat? And I just start <laughs> giving it away to people because I just had so much, man. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a really different relationship with your food, you know. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that, um, you know, that have uh, that eat meat that have no idea that they're actually, you know, that was once a living, moving, breathing unit. Oh, 100%. It makes you see it a bit differently when you hunt, you know. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people that will disagree with eating meat entirely and and fight you tooth and nail on that, but they've never gone through the experience which which I was raised on. It's a very uh, to me wholesome and 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 a spiritual thing is to to go out and put in the effort to create and cultivate a place to hunt and then harvest an animal and then spend what I did for most of my childhood eating that animal like. You know, we didn't go to the grocery store. We didn't, we didn't eat, we ate venison. Yeah. I mean, that yep. was it. We ate, we ate venison. That's what we had. We had ground venison. And every now and then when it was a special occasion, we got one of them back straps, you know, I mean, <laughs> yep. you know, but, but that's what, that's what we ate and that's how we lived. And so my connection with it was, well, we worked really hard for this and this is providing for my family. But if you're just buying a Walmart steak all the time, or you've never gone yeah. through that, then you, you can even... definitely argue against why the meat industry's bad it, yeah. it, it's a whole different thing yeah dude and even you know actually it's funny that we're having this conversation uh, a local rancher i actually just bought um some beef from her literally uh, an hour ago um awesome and uh yeah i mean that connection with food you know i'm really blessed that i live in a place where that's a thing you know because i know it's not a thing everywhere but it's still real easy to know where you're getting your meat from um mm-hmm. and you know and know the kind of conditions that the animals lived in like you can be uh you can be an omnivore uh responsibly you know and yes you can support support people making a good living uh that are also treating animals with respect you know you know JC killed one of my geese one time it did <laughs> on purpose yeah yes and yes. we we um the we nice had Christmas some goose <laughs> Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. It was a lot like that. No, we uh, we we raise birds, so like we've got chickens and um, we had we had geese and ducks, but we've got a lot of chickens and we got some goats and stuff. And uh, my family, we, we got cows and uh, llama and what uh, other stuff. But at our place, we've got chicken, lots of chickens, and we had some other birds. And dude, geese are fucking violent little things, man. Like they're they're like. 20 25 pounds like weigh as much as like a an overweight cocker spaniel and they'll fuck you up it's a velociraptor a little yeah it's a Dude, velociraptor I, yeah i was gonna say have you ever seen those videos of them chasing kids like they are velociraptors yeah scary as hell do you they're just the, like dude, make up their mind that they want to hunt that thing and off they go well they were raping my chickens almost to death just if anyone's ever wow. seen if anyone's ever seen there's actually a term i saw i that's, think it was on that's foul it's <laughs> End call. <laughs> Boop. 
<laughs> uh, it, that's foul. That's foul. God damn it. Um, but uh, they were raping my chickens almost to death, and, and and it happened in two days. And I went out there, and one of my poor chickens, man, she was just he was sitting on top of her, was ripping feathers out, and she was like had the bone showing in her wing. We anyway, we got her doctored up and got her nurse back to health. But I was so fucking mad. I grabbed the goose by the neck, and my son was out there, and he's like, "Dad, you're being reactive." This is like my 14-year-old voice of reason, right? This is my conscience. My higher self is my 14-year-old. And he's like, Dad, you're being reactive. If you kill that goose right now, you're going to kill him because you're being reactive because you lost your cool. Think about it before you act. So, Wise kid. After, feeling, after feeling thoroughly chastised yes. by this asshole 14-year-old, um, I backed off. I called. I, 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 I was upset about it because my poor chicken, so I caged up the geese, and then I went to... The next day, I, I was at my buddy's restaurant. My buddy owns a restaurant. Eventually, you'll come there and eat because next time you're in Texas, which will be on this next tour at some point because I'm going to make it happen, um, uh, you'll eat at this restaurant. And he has, he's this amazing chef. And so I walk in, and I'm, I'm, I'm upset about the chickens and the geese. And I'm like, hey, man, if we brought you a couple of geese, would you cook them? And he's like, fuck yeah, I'll cook them. So anyway, JC comes over and he fucking cuts my geese's heads off and we take them up there and we have this world-class chef cook us two geese for like 15 people. And JC's a chef too, so he got to go back there and cook them and we ate them. But that whole process of like raising those geese from the egg all the way to my plate, you know, was a it's it's you connect with your food in a different way. You connect with the animals that you're that you're eating and that you're caring for. We you know, we eat our own cows. We have freezer full of cow meat and stuff. And um, you connect with it different. You know what I mean? Like, you don't connect with It's the with circle food. of life. Yes. It moves us all. You know what I mean? It does, man. It does. It's also it the best. Yeah. The, I think the I think there's, there's just a lot, too, of, like, again, like we were talking about whether – you know that's the price of convenience, dude, and and that's the thing, man. I that that frightens me uh, is how quickly people would trade freedom and knowledge for convenience and safety. Um, you know, that's, damn, uh, that was one of my questions for you: was would you choose freedom or safety? Come on, dog. I'm a motherfucking warrior. <laughs> like. <laughs> So you can you can leave me with nothing but freedom, and I'll make it swing. Yeah, um, yeah. We that's more, a, we that's, need more of that. It, yeah, we do, man. And I think that's a that's a big thing. Is uh, you know the convenience thing, man. That'll that's uh, that's the that's the killer. People are like we were yeah. saying, man. It's like yeah, I don't need to know where my food comes from as long as it's available at the food place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the industrial yep. feeding trough. As long as that's set up, I'm there. Yeah, that's totally it. That's totally it. And then you have no idea what's going into it, but it's probably not a good thing. But, you know, the other the other side of that to me, man, is like these vegan people and stuff. Like, I get that there's a lot of vegan food and stuff available nowadays. But, again, you know, dude, when way this whole— Way less natural. Like, it's way less natural. Four paragraphs of ingredients— like I'll just I'll just eat Dude, chicken instead of that's fake that's chicken. that's my argument with it is look at what they're putting into it yeah it's it's plant based but how big is that base it's like a bouillon cube of plants mixed in with all this cocktail of all these other things to make it taste the texture everything yep. like meat does we just fucking have a little bit of meat just have a little bit 
Yeah. I gotta go take a, I gotta take a leak. Let's pause this conversation at um, vegan burgers are fake as fuck and we need to do better for ourselves. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Does that sound yeah. good? Deal. Especially in my profession, you know, I'm just like, oh man, I'm actually a real adult now, huh? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You, <laughs> full, you're close. Yeah, full, full grown up. You're close. Um, you know, well, full grown up. It's never go full grown up. <laughs> never go full grown up, bro. Yeah. Never yeah, go yeah. full grown up. Yeah. But you, you know what though? You seem like, and this is something. This is actually in, in written down in one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because this is one of the areas where you have. Just so you know, like you've been an inspiration to me in a few different ways. And like one of those is like you you seem to manage a nice, playful of course, not all the time. I'm sure you get pretty fucking intense and, you know, spun up. But like looking at your Instagram and like your posts and just seeing you in live and the what little time we spent together in person, like you maintain a nice, playful, childlike sort of energy about you. And I mean that in the best way. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah. And that's a thing I, mean, I, I that I struggle with. And so like I, you know, speak to that because I, I think that's an important thing to do. It goes back to what I was saying earlier about taking yourself less seriously and stuff like that. You navigate those waters well. Um, I think in terms of archetypes and stuff, you've kind of got the warrior, musician, mystic, and then also like the comedian thing going on. I mean, that's uh that's a pretty pretty cool accomplishment, man. I uh, appreciate that, man. I love to laugh. Um, you know, and if I can't laugh at myself, I can't laugh at anything. Um, Lots yeah, of I mean, material there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, just, yeah, I mean, if you part, I would say the biggest part of being in a touring van is your ability to hang inside of a van for hours and hours. Um, and what happened, dude, if the people in the vans don't have a really great personality, then it gets pretty hellish pretty quick. Um, so I would say touring has made me, it's really made, helped me sharpen my material. Um, Cause I'm trying to keep the boys laughing all the time um, and, and, and vice versa. Um, yeah, man, I like to fuck around. I just, it's uh, you know, there's no situation that's going to be less awesome. Uh, if you throw some humor in, you know, who are the who are the people that you um outside of your bandmates and um uh, like who who are the people you know because obviously I, I sometimes I get caught up when I'm talking to to you or to JC or whatever and I forget that like some of our audience may not be as familiar with some of these other people but like who are some of the people that you surround yourself with that you really enjoy spending time with um whenever you tour you know and what do you get from from those from some of those people because I one of the one of the really important people that I see popping up in, in your music and in other like Trevor and other people is this Uncle Joe cat. Like we've all yeah. heard of Uncle Joe and Uncle Joe is like, what, 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 what is he? And I say, what is he like? What is he? What is this guy? <laughs> oh, He's like, God, the, the, like the mystical fucking genie from the West or something. Yeah. And so many people ask this question, too. And it's funny. I. uh uh, I asked him if he'd be on the podcast, and he said, "Hit up Mark. He writes the songs." Um, JoJo is to Wookie Foot what Flavor Flav is to Public Enemy. 
Okay. Um, you know, he... That's a very uh, Drew McManus example. <laughs> yeah. I actually have a Public Enemy shirt on right now. Um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he's kind of the instigator. Um, and then he also... Yeah. He kind of has his ear to the ground for their festival Shangri-La. You know, he's always looking for, you know, another another uh, band or person to bring to the table. Um, and, you know, he just makes sure that we're all staying in touch. You know, that's really his magic is 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 linking people. You know, he linked me and Tubby really early on. And, you know, he really put me and Trevor uh, you know, in at the same table a few times. Um, yeah, that's kind of his magic, man. Is uh, he's like Gandalf. He's, uh, he puts everybody together. Yeah, and he also is hilarious. You know, he's like the ultimate ultimate clown. Um, yeah, I mean, Wookie Foot man, to have some of the craziest. You know, they used to throw these parties. Um, where they would give everyone Kool-Aid when they came in and tell everyone there was acid in the Kool-Aid when there wasn't. I love it. <laughs> I always wanted to throw a keg party with O'Doul's and just see how people react. Dude, yeah. And awesome. he would be like, you know, sitting down with these people <laughs> that were freaking out and saying that they needed someone to call an ambulance for him and be like, no, 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 dude, this is your mind. You know, like you, you've done this you've to got yourself. This. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I that's mean, amazing. That's that that situation sums up JoJo as a person. That's awesome. So was, was Wookie Foot? Because I'll be honest, I never jammed them much. I didn't even know that Uncle Joe was from Wookie Foot until a couple months ago. And I've been listening to like Trevor's Uncle Joe song, and uh, he did the the intro for Pyramids, right? Yep. So that that's our blessing when we do like Friendsgiving or or whatever because we do a Friendsgiving where our whole tribe comes over to the house around Thanksgiving and we do like a Friendsgiving with all of our yeah. extended family. But that that's the blessing that we that we uh we infuse the event with is that oh you know oh my god I'm I'm gonna tell him that that will just make his fucking day. Oh true true story yeah true story we bless many males oh yeah. the fools yeah oh the fool who builds fast and high those towers of isolation. It's the wise who build slow and wide the foundations of community, you know? Yeah, man. He uh, he recorded that sitting in a fucking tree in Hawaii, too. I hit him up and I said, <laughs> I, I need you. I need you to send me something for the record. Uh, I want you, I want to do something with you. I want you to do the intro to the record. He said, what are you calling the record? He said pyramids. And this was the reason that I asked him was because him and I had a had a late night uh golf cart ride at Shangri-La and uh you know I was just telling him that I didn't feel like it was growing as fast as I wanted it to and he was kind of oh, saying man. like uh it's it, you know from where I'm sitting as long as I've been around this is one of the fastest growing things that I've seen I think you need to be patient and uh he went off on this tangent about building pyramids you know and that the reason that the pyramids are still standing was because the foundation was at the forefront of the idea of the build um and 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 that conversation just stuck with me and i was just like man that's what i'm gonna call the record um so when i hit him up uh you know at the time when he recorded that he didn't even remember that conversation it wasn't until later and then he was like "Ooh, man i'm good you know <laughs> dude it's amazing yeah, he's uh, he's the man. 
I love it. I love it. It's so good to get some clarity on that. Yeah, make sure you let him know that that, ha that has been the invocation at our last couple of Friendsgivings for the last couple of years. Um, because it's such a powerful, such a powerful thing. And I think that, like, for us, what we've discovered is that, that the, um, that really community and tribe and the, the village that we build for ourselves is, is, uh, it's crucial, man. It's a critical thing. And it can be a life changing thing to have a circle of people around you that you believe in and that you trust and, um, who are always looking out for each other. And it's like that saying, like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that kind of concept, but we live, you know, as we've been talking about this whole conversation in various different ways, like we live in this, this sort of world of fragmentation, this world of like, we're hyper-connected, but we're kind of disconnected at the same time. And so, you know, I always want to take time during as many podcasts as I can just to remind people that like building community is a super helpful, nourishing thing to do. And like one of the most important parts of that for me was find your authentic self first, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And then show up as that fucking guy. And authenticity is magnetic. And you just start sucking the right people into your circle. That's been my experience. What do you think? Yeah, hundred percent, man. And you know, and people say that to me. Actually, the call that I had with the label today, you know, the guy goes, "It's funny because I always wonder. I'm like, you know, maybe I should fucking tone it down a bit. You know, I just am so quick to <laughs> to speak my mind and say what I'm thinking. You know, and uh, and he goes, you know, the reason, I, you know, I've always connected with you, Drew, and the and the reason has always been is because you're different. You know, um, you know, aside from being into MMA, he goes, you know, everyone that that talks about you says the same thing, which is no bullshit. He's going to tell you what he thinks and feels right out the gate. And he's just like, man, I just respect that so much. And I, that's just such an affirming thing to me. Cause I think a lot of people, man, it's like being their authentic self is the scariest thing ever because why? Cause you're scared. Someone's not going to like you. So you're going to, con you're going to concoct a version of yourself that you think is likable. And then all your friends yeah. like somebody that isn't even you. So all those friendships are bullshit. Cause you can't even be vulnerable. You know, you can't even you can't even feel what what you actually want to feel. Yeah. Um. So yeah, man. I mean, I think that that authenticity thing. It's like there's a place for everybody, dude. There's a crew for everybody. Um. But until you, yeah, until you step into that, you're never you're not gonna find them. You know. Yeah, that's it. That's it. The last couple of years for me personally have been like transformative because four years ago I started. You know, I was divorced five years ago and then I was married for 10 years before that. And I lived a life that was really geared toward, you know, tr like I said earlier, trying to like build commercial success, grow my business, do all this stuff in the technology and the corporate world. And then I got divorced. The first thing I did was like, go take psychedelics. <laughs> this was like basically yeah. what I had been reading about for 15 years. And I had some experiences with, uh, with mushrooms when I was younger and I, I knew enough to know that they were something um that there was something there more than just partying and you know watching the walls breathe at you i i knew that there was something mystical and beautiful and pure uh and transformative about mushrooms and so it wasn't cool when i was married for 10 years um but as soon as i got divorced i was like all right i've been reading a lot of graham hancock and terrence mckenna and a lot of this yep. stuff for 10 terrence 10, 15. terrence is what got me too man <laughs> terrence gets a lot of people he'll do that he will do that so I went from reading about it and I, and I went and started taking mushrooms and everything 
um, you know, everything changed from that point forward. And then I realized that if I could, if I could start to unpack my traumas, start to unwind my conditioning and start to make amends on all of my transgressions against the people that I loved, primarily my kids. Right. So there was, yeah, you know, and I don't need to go into this too deep because I, I do this enough on this show that if anyone's listened to this much, you already know the story of me with my kids and what happened after I took psychedelics. But I set my de- myself down and exposed myself to my kids emotionally as raw as I could and said, look, I have not done a good job. I've been abusive, not physically, but like yeah. short and and um, just not been I just not a not a good, loving, warm man. And I said, so from this point forward. I commit to doing better because I love you guys more than anything. And don't let anything that I ever say or do undermine your value for yourself as a person. And if I fuck up, which I will, maybe give me an hour or two and then circle back and hold me accountable to that and be like, hey, dad, earlier I was asking for your time or your attention and you kind of snapped at me and whatever. And so it didn't feel very nice. So I just wanted to bring that up to you because you told me I could. And so I've done that for the last four years and I've had the most unbelievable growth of relationship with my kids and i mean jc you know know me since we were kids yep and i mean i think the relationship i've built with the boys since then has been one of the best relationships i've seen phenomenal you know but you've inspired me to be a better father you know but that came from 10 years of it's like yeah, what is that saying about that. the far gotta, the farther gotta, you draw back the bowstring the farther the arrow flies i guess yeah man i gotta do that with my kids do that that sit down and give them that permission to uh, yeah it's tough man it's tough it's tough one yeah but dude it'll pay dividends bro it's like it's so easy to have those like awakening experiences of like oh man i'm this way and i want to be this way it's where the you know where it's hard is like okay cool i have to remember this every day yeah that's the, the consistency is key and I know that's like a like a thing people say consistency is key, but with with any of this um, self growth or, or or something, especially when you're involving your kids and you're gonna like come to your kids and give them that kind of uh, statement or whatever, you can't do that unless you know you can do that. Yeah, you, you gotta, know what I mean. You, that's like, fucking all or nothing. That's yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't tell your kids to hold you accountable and then go yell at them for holding you accountable two weeks later. Yep. But then. But it's, the, all, it's all for not. But the fucking meta of that is that you also have to give yourself grace <laughs> yeah. in the first period because you're going to do that. So you also got to warn your kids in advance. And like I'm breaking habits here. Yeah, dude. And so like my 14 year old is the wisest motherfucker on this planet. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's the Dalai Lama because he's so smart and he's so aware of, of my own growth. And like if I'm upset or whatever, like my 14 year old will come and sense it and be and, and start quoting me a fucking song that drew wrote you know what i mean uh, that applies to my to my situation because yeah he does that drew that's funny um and so and, and i think that that's one of the beautiful things about satsang as as a band as a as a as a unit as drew as a song creator as as the message all of that stuff is that i've seen in my household in JC's household, in our tribe of friends and, and family around us, you know, our, our circle of 20 people in our immediate family and friends, our little village, like Drew, you give us, you give us vernacular and language 
to um you give us a soundtrack for the journey of our lives to grow this is true you know to very true. to grow and to develop in in the ways that we want to and and through understanding vulnerability um i just wrote a song last week that kind of hit me in the in the in the brain and um was working on it with will evans and uh, I did it for Will, and he was fucking tripping. He was like, "Dude, this is, this is amazing," which that was a huge, you know, compliment to me. But one of the well, the key drivers behind that song, one of the key components was, um, the work is never done. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's really what that song came down to was was shadow work, and the work is never done. And once you understand the work is never done, then you you, you can find grace to give yourself. Because the work's never done. And you can fucking beat yourself up over still having work to do. But if you have a song that you love, that you can sing, and we'll do it in our house, I'll, I'll get down on myself for doing something wrong. And Ashley will just be like, she'll give me a hug. She'll come up behind me and give me a hug and be like, it's all right, babe. The work is never done, you know? So we're quoting your shit back and forth between us and all of our friends all the time, man. So you're, that without that, true, true story. <laughs> dude, what would we be saying to each other? You know, people are looking... We're always looking for little aphorisms or little little things that we can say to remind ourselves to find grace or to find the humor in a situation or to be okay when things are not okay maybe at the moment. Um, those little faithful reminders and stuff. And and to me, Sat saying Drew's music, the lyrics, the music, the vibe that it all creates. I mean, to me, that's one of the most important things that it does mm-hmm. is it gives us it gives us that camp. It's like I heard Tubby saying one time, uh, you know, it's that campfire music. It's that, it's that marching music, that heartbeat music, you know, and it's that shit that everybody can get behind and that everybody should want to get behind because, you know, that that music creates. It's a picture of something beautiful of what we are and what we could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's a crazy thing. You know, my manager just uh, said to me last week, I was just telling him, you know, he was proposing that I do something that I didn't really want to do. And he was kind of like, dude, you're people's favorite band. Like, what's your favorite band? You know, and I thought I named off a couple bands and he's like, you're that to people, dude. Yeah. And that and I don't know why that had never hit me before. I'm like, whoa what that's crazy so like i am to other people what you know the you, dead is to me we, like, we like to say you you are that motherfucker unless you, so, you 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 don't have to think you are that motherfucker but to people you are that yeah, yeah. Motherfucker. i know there's not so, there's a more elegant way of saying it but no, that's what that, that is man yeah and that's uh and it's a beautiful it's a it's a gift that i definitely don't take for granted and uh something that i'm really honored uh to get a b but, you know, when it's worded that way and, and hearing stories like this, too, not after a show, you know, where someone has to give me a condensed 17 second version of how much the music touched them, you know, to get to hear you guys, you know, really extrapolate upon what it is to you is. um, Yeah, it's magic, man. It's it's the greatest gift in the world to me. Oh, yeah, so you, you 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 don't even know, man, we're 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 baptized in. Uh, the music and and it's it's the words that you sing and the harmonies that you put together to those words have made you know impacts that that ripple out of me into my family and my interactions with my friends and that's a very cool thing that you've provided. I mean, uh, I'm having a shitty day and I'm driving home from work and beautiful days 
man, that's coming on right now. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where I'm, that's, that's where I need to be mentally right now, you know? And, uh, it's, it's shit like that, that, uh, it, it truly has integrated into our, into our lives and many, many others. And I, I don't know what that feels like on your end, yeah. that kind of <laughs> responsibility for sure. writing that shit, but, uh, it, it's incredible. Yeah, man. It's a, you were, yeah, you were made for this. I'm thankful that you do this because, you know, we, um, uh, we do a lot of things, man, JC and I, and our, our families and everybody, you know, we're all doing our own thing. Um, but this podcast, the Instagram platform, the social media thing, and the spiritual growth of, of the two men sitting at this table, and then all of our close people around us and the families and kids around that, dude, everybody's been like massively impacted by your music. Like what you're doing is an important thing. Don't ever fucking lose sight of that. Don't ever lose sight of that. Yeah. Because there are a lot it. of, lot of human beings whose children are my children, JC's children, Josh and David's children, they're growing up listening to your music and they're integrating that into their little brains and their psyches. And they're telling themselves that the work is never done and to give themselves grace. And they're telling themselves that abuse can lead to smiles. And they're telling themselves that, you know, you can wake up and give thanks and live in truth. And that you don't need, you don't need a middleman on your spirituality. You know, my kids love that song, Truth. It's one of my favorite songs that you've ever done. That's the vibe I'm going for every fucking day when I wake up. I play Truth in the morning. Um, so keep doing what you're doing and don't ever fucking lose sight of that. Don't ever forget the, these words and in this moment, because it's an important thing for me to know that I get this across to you, is that you are impacting people's lives, my kids, our families, and, and tens of thousands of other people. And on this show, the, the reason this platform exists, that we started doing this and got it up to 100,000 plus subscribers across all the platforms is specifically to uncle joe or gandalf this whole fucking thing and and give platforms to the people like you that we feel like are doing god's work yeah i appreciate are, that man that's it man that's what we're here to do is fucking take you know we're like the we're the coffee pot you're the beans <laughs> we I, just like wanna, I like it we want to let everybody know what's up man that's it well i appreciate that man i really really do um listen dude here's what i want to do um god we got so much more we can get into but i gotta i gotta cook some dinner for these kids and hit the gym yeah yeah we've been going for two hours we've been going yeah yeah close two hours or two hours plus i think we let's let's call it and and then let's 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 drag your ass back in here you know here in a few weeks and catch up um oh, I would love that and um you know we we got to we got to really build a good foundation today. We didn't go into some of the current events and stuff that, Ugh. you know, yeah, give me it's, some it's... time to process so I don't go full Chuck D. I I feel like that's that's <laughs> probably that's, best. Yeah, that's yeah. a good good way to. It's crazy right now. Yeah, it's a crazy yeah. world. Um, but let let, let let's just let's just in 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 just two minutes. Let let me just say like, let's fucking love each other and let's support each other. Let's speak up for each other. Let's yes to that stand with our neighbors and um you know fucking arm to arm and and, and face down the enemies that our, our neighbors are facing and let's not deny that certain things are bad for other people that may not be bad for us right and um 100 the most important thing i ever read as a child that was on my granddad my granddad's office wall he had this saying hung up and it, you know it said first they came for the trade unionists and I wasn't a trade unionist, so I didn't object. And then they came 
for the Catholics, and I wasn't a Catholic, so I didn't object. And then they came for the Jews, and I wasn't a Jew, so I didn't object. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to object. And that stuck in my fucking head from the time I was four years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that all parable the way... is, is how I wrote Speak Up. Was based well, of course it is. Parable. Yeah. And, then, and then fast forward 30 years later after I, I had been reading this, and it shaped my whole worldview, and I hear you write Speak Up, and I'm on acid. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, <laughs> oh, my God, he's my brother from another mother. Um, speak up for each other. Drew, what do you got on that? Just that, man. I think it's important to recognize, uh, you know, that all of our life experiences make up the whole of the human experience and the different people go through different shit. Um, yeah. uh, and, and, and that really, if we're looking at humanity as a whole, what's bad for any members of humanity is bad for the whole. So we have a responsibility to do that. If we're going to keep things copacetic, we got to make sure that everybody, uh, everybody's good. That's it, man. That's it. We, um, we can do this shit together, you know what I mean? And it's just a lot better doing it together than doing it separately, I feel like, you know? It's, 100%. It's it's us against them, you know what I mean? All of us against that small minority bullshit of, of people who want to control everything, you know, and want to keep people down. So prayers, thoughts and prayers going out to the, the family of um, Mr. Floyd. What was his first name? George. George. I thought it was George. I didn't want to I didn't want to misspeak. So to George Floyd uh, and to anybody who's ever suffered violence at the hands of a tyrannical system of a, of a systematically corrupt system. Um, I believe that we live in a special time. I really fucking do. I believe we live in a special time. I believe that a lot of this stuff is being exposed. It's being overturned and the fight's going to be tough. But I think that that giving people music to sing together and to share together. I think it brings people together. I think music is one of the most important things that we can do. And um, if anybody out there is looking for good music, that's going to do that. Hopefully this episode is going to direct you toward Drew McManus and Satsung and, uh, and, and their whole collective of artists, friends that they run around with, whether it's Trevor Hall or Hyrie or Natalie rise, who's a fucking revolutionary in herself. Um, Will Evans and, and, uh, and Nako and, and all these guys, Go check out their music. Go check out Satsong. Um, uh, you can check out Satsong on, on Instagram and every other platform you can think of on YouTube. I personally really want to recommend the Sugar Shack Sessions on YouTube for Satsong. That was a fucking badass thing. Yeah, those are fun. Yep, that was a lot of fun. So you guys, go go check all that stuff out. This is great music. It's going to enrich your lives. Uh, Drew will be back here. Um at some point, we're going to have a lot of fun and uh, look out for whenever touring starts again uh, in the town near you. In the meantime, go pick up their stuff everywhere that you can. Uh, go check out some merch on their store. One of the cool things about Satsong is that they use um, uh, it's all ecologically good, um, you know, merchandise vendors and stuff like that. I own some of their merchandise. It's comfy as shit. It looks really cool. And uh, everybody should have some Satsong merchandise. I highly recommend that. Yeah, appreciate it, man. We try. The show, and um, as far as us here at Wayfinder, guys, you know we appreciate the shit out of everybody. You can support us on Patreon if you'd like. Um, I'm going to give it to you straight on the Patreon. We're still trying to figure out what you guys want to to get, to like incentivize you for extra stuff on Patreon, but to everyone who's donating on Patreon, thank you so much. Like we thank, really, you. thank you. We really appreciate it. We do this out of our own pocket. You know, we, we fund the studio and all the travel, and we go out and and talk to people and 
um, you know, we're happy to do that to bring this to you guys because we know that you guys are looking for um, for conscious content, shit that people, um, you know, that helps people grow. And uh, that's what we want to do. So uh, we have the online store coming soon at wokeshop.com. Um, I'm thinking two weeks we can get that done. We got a lot of things going on, but like it's a big thing. And we have some really dope custom merchandise. All of the, the, the graphics, all the merchandise and stuff is uh, it's all awesome. You guys are going to really dig it. And um, other than that, wayfinderpodcast.com will be your portal to find all of the different podcast platforms and just go on there and like, share, subscribe. If you want to help out, really, even more than money on Patreon, I appreciate that stuff very much. But like, leave us comments and ratings and, and feedback and let us know what you think and uh, support us by sharing us with your friends if we do you any good. Just let us know how we're doing. So we appreciate you guys so much. Uh, Drew, you got anything else for the people, brother? Nothing, man. I look forward to coming on again. Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate it. I'm digging it. So on behalf of um, Adam and JC here at Wayfinder and uh, Drew out there in the beautiful state of Montana, may the light be upon you. May peace be within you. And may you be a son on the paths of all men. Peace out, homies. We'll see you guys soon. Yeah. Talk soon, boys.